Welcome to Real Movies with Real Men, the world's first and only movie talk show podcast. We're here to take you back to a time when real men roamed the earth, a time when babies died so often, parents wouldn't even name them until they were five years old. Back to a time where God meant an old white guy with a beard, not an abacus scoring the amount of times you called someone a xenophobe while simultaneously having exclusively white friends. A time when people didn't spend all day looking down at their damn telephones. Men did the right thing, drinking all day and beating their wives. A time when gender fluid was when your 80s movie bully beat the local sexually confused teenagers to a nondescript blob. A time when real men made and watched real movies 2017. Hey! My name is Muller. Here with me is Andy. Hey, you're listening to Real Intros with Real Men, the show that's just one long intro for an hour and a half. <laughs> and as well, Brayden. Hey guys. I'm wearing sweat shorts today. Life's pretty good. Pretty nice time. Pretty nice days, boys. I got my jorts. Your jorts? <laughs> People don't like Jean jorts. shorts? Well, sort of. They were jeans, but then I... You made them into shorts. Is that what ma- is that what a jort is, is when they were jeans and then you made them into shorts? No, it's just jean shorts. And jean pe- shorts, People okay. make fun of them. They'd be called sheens oh, if okay. you were... I learned recently that people were making fun of them. And then I was like, oh, I always wear jorts. Who cares, man? People make fun (laughs) of sweatshorts, too. I'm happy with it. It's a fun name, too. Jorts. Jort. (laughs) Sounds fun. Um, Fun. (laughs) So did you guys see that that news article slash video going around about the fat broad on the airplane? Uh, Only a hundred of them. So you don't know? No. no, So there's just that many fat broads on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is this Amy Schumer related? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Um, low, so, blow, low, low, low. So this uh, plus size model uh, was on an airplane. Ooh, and uh, <laughs> she was sitting next to some guy that she noticed was texting. But while he was texting, he had his phone kind of t- turned away from her a little <laughs> bit. Uh, so she decided to read his, what he was texting, like like snoop on him and see what he was texting. Uh, and it was. Uh, she described it as a fat shaming incident. <laughs> a now, fat shaming incident where she's eavesdropping yes. on somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, so the question I'm sure is on everyone's mind is, uh, what was he typing? Yeah, <laughs> I assume you guys want to hear that. Uh, he was talking about what a, how much he wants to bang her. So he was texting his he was texting his friends, uh, presumably about some fat stuff, but we, we don't know prior to what she saw. Uh, and she saw that the the person texting him uh, texted, uh, hopefully she didn't have any Mexican food. And, <laughs> and, his, and, and his response to the person texting him was, I think she ate a Mexican. <laughs> Which, so I saw like the headline for this and it was just like uh, the fat shaming, like social media thing. And I always like to read those articles because they're often hilarious. They're hilarious <laughs> like, yeah. I have nothing against like bigger people. Like I generally don't do any. Kind oh of- man, I'm on Instagram all day long, every day, looking uh, at big, beautiful women, just scrolling through, finding pictures of them everywhere I can. I- Mueller's not joking, by the I way. Gotta, but yeah, I gotta check out this broad. <laughs> but there's just something so I always just I love to read the comments about whatever fat shaming thing they oh, said. Oh, because they're always brutal. Because I yeah. just imagine the people just. <laughs> 
just yeah. outraged. Uh, reading, yeah. How dare he? But but reading this one is just like my initial thought was, wow, what a bitch. <laughs> Thinking about the, the the fat broad reading the text because it's like this isn't a fat shaming thing because it's not like he was posting this on social media or Facebook. He was. It's uh, not like this was public uh, in any yeah, way. It was not public in any way. This was a private text conversation that she snooped on. Like <laughs> like she was just spying over his shoulder to read like. She's got to mind her own fucking business. I can't wait to find the next thing to be offended. They're looking in all the alleyways. They're looking in garbage bins. Anybody who might be thinking something that might offend me, it's like, I got to find them out and suss them out. Mm-hmm. Where um, are they? Where yeah. are those fat shamers? So, like I said, my initial reaction is like, yeah, what a, what a, what a cunt. She's just reading and then getting upset when it's like, you were never meant to yeah, see that. He didn't right. say this to your face. Like, he didn't yeah. post it to anyone else. This is a private conversation. And like these people nowadays, like feel it's like they have the right for everyone to approve of every aspect of them. Like ev- I have the right for everyone to find me beautiful, and like they can't even think. Listen, just because Mueller even... finds you beautiful doesn't mean that every Tom, <laughs> Dick, and Jane even... on the plane will. They can't even think that I'm not beautiful. Like, like yeah. And then so I, I, you know, immediately zipped down to the comment section looking for the... Oh, zip down? Oh, there was going to be... Oh. I don't think it was. I just what? saw... I saw it, it was a two-third to one-third ratio of people defending and, and, and uh, going against what she... Cause, like, there, okay. was a lot, there was like a third... About, about a third of people were saying what I was saying. Like, like yeah, you shouldn't have been looking over his fucking yeah. shoulders. None of your business. Like, yeah, he was tilting the phone away from you. Yeah. It, it, that, that indi- so, so that gave you the idea. You're like, oh, there's something I'm not supposed to see here. I, mm-hmm. I, I better just zip my eyes over here and shove my face in it. And what is this, a Ridley Scott well, I have, movie? I have the article here. She tries to justify it at one point here. Uh, yeah, just that. So oh. wait, what was, the, what was the context of the article? Like, how was the news article presented? Like, was it like uh, fat uh, victim shamed? The name of the article. Hot model. The uh, name of the article. It was plus, plus size plus size model confronts man who sent mean and ugly text messages. Uh, okay, so it was it was it was slanted against the man. At all uh, yes, but then so I read the comment section. A whole bunch of people were like, because she took a video of, of of her confronting him about this. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and a whole bunch of people, yeah, and, and right. This is a real genuine uh, like her standing up for herself as she hits record on her phone to yes. like to, to record her own conflict with she, this person. She made a video of herself <laughs> confronting him. Right, and there's two. Stand there's two things for eavesdroppers of, everywhere. Yeah, there's two things about this video that pissed me off. One was people being like, "Oh, because on this news website or whatever blog, whatever it is, they blurred out the dude's face on the video, uh, and like a whole bunch of people were like, you need to unblur his face, oh and we so we can Lord. find out who this guy is." And it's like, really, like just for a private conversation, like sorry, like not everyone finds you beautiful and might say mean things about you, like that you will never hear. This isn't a person also, you know. Like, They're not talking to someone you know. Like yeah, welcome to the world. Everything, yeah, exactly. Like also, like you have no idea. Just because he's even ty- typing that, you have no idea what he's thinking. Like I said, oh man, I'd go on a date with this. I haven't seen her yet, but I'm just assuming that I would. But like I would say that that's hilarious. She's, that's a hilarious comment to make. She's she's definitely definitely on the plus size of the <laughs> oh, plus size ask. model. Is there so is there pictures of this? Yeah, yeah, because she her name is on her. Let me see her. Let me see her. Let's, I'm rubbing my hands together I'm here, Bull. Uh, uh, hold on, I don't even think they have a picture of her on this uh, thing. But so the other thing that uh, pissed me off about this video was the dude apologized. Oh, I'm like, what the f- you fucking weakling. pussy? Like, if I was me, I'd be like, uh, excuse me, I'd be mind your own goddamn business, fucking piggy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
Well, um, maybe, I, I was thinking maybe he noticed, like maybe he kind of noticed yeah, her leaning over, and he started. Uh, maybe he started texting about her to teach her a lesson about eavesdropping. You know. Oh yeah, that's a total babe right there. Yeah, you total got. bag it. with like okay, I'm looking here. Big, no like, way, I'm fat, in. Fat sack hanging over her vagina. That's that's, that's Mulder's type of lady Give right me, there. Let me at her. <laughs> Like I, said, I, I don't know your name, but if you're out there, I don't care. Like I don't care to confront me anytime. Your BMI is in the 40s. <laughs> I, I don't. On board. <laughs> I'm not one to like publicly or even even in private. Like I don't poke fun at fat people a ton. But when I read stuff like this, it makes me want to. Like makes right, me right. want to be like, oh, it looks like pigs can fly. <laughs> <laughs> A video on the airplane. Like, I mean, it makes yeah, me want to be that horrible if, person. Obviously, if you are actually a ding, um, if you're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Ever, ever since I was talking, I was talking to our mutual friend uh, Ken, and he told me uh, he was he was reading in a book that whenever somebody says obviously or what they're about to say is not obvious at mm-hmm. all. So, so you, I don't know mm-hmm. why, but he always goes, ding, anytime I say obviously. <laughs> so it's in my head now. Um, so yeah. if, yeah, if, if this guy was like saying this or like shouting this at her or something, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, you're a real piece all. of crap. Like that's uh, somebody, somebody should be able to walk, you know, down the road and not have somebody yelling at them yeah. and saying crappy sure. things to them or yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, but definitely uh, you should you should definitely be able to spy on the people you're sitting next to on the bus <laughs> or uh, you know in an Uber or whatever. Just you know, just hand over your phone so I can check that if there's any mean texts, and uh, I'll make sure that I put you on the news if I find anything in your phone. So just anywhere you go in public, everybody has a right to grab your phone and search through yeah. your text messages. Now it just annoys me that people are this. Childish. Like, this is an adult woman. I'm assuming she's somewhere between 25 to 35 in that range. And it's like, fucking grow up. Not everyone is going to think positively of you. And, and the fact that you feel that you need that, like, everyone has to think positively of you. Like, this guy wasn't even talking to her, confronting her, posting about her on Facebook. Those are private conversations. I don't think anyone like, thinks positively about me. Like, I, I got a review on her iTunes of people just talking about what an idiot I am. Like, well, I better I better find out who that guy is and uh, go to his house and knock on his door and then pull, pu- put my freaking telephone in his face and record him and mm-hmm. scream at him and tell him what an idiot he is. And, yeah. uh, oh, you're shaming me for being stupid. Like, what? It's just weird to me. I feel like it's something that I accepted many years ago, like, in, like, early middle school because I've always been into like before I was into like crazy heavy metal I was into like punk rock and I had all these punk rock friends I had crazy dreadlocks and whatever like so I was used to being like having a weird look and even now like I have a shaved head and big crazy beard which isn't which isn't uh, (laughs) typical uh but, you know, I'm almost 30 now, and I just figured, like, that's just something like, oh, yeah, like, who cares what random people may or may not think about you? Like, grow the fuck yeah. up. Have you seen, by the way, that, that, that best comment that we have on our website? Oh, isn't it like Big American TV? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. just some, some, some random guy just left that comment, and I know it wasn't Big spam. American TV. <laughs> yeah. Something really... Something really funny about that. So that's yeah, great. Uh, uh, dude, like the part of this too screams to me like publicity stunt. If she's like this, oh model. yeah, Definitely. I kind of think so too. Because like now everyone's seen these comments that he made a- yeah. about her, her her big fat slobbishness <laughs> when no one would have seen it. Just but, the two people. Like unfortunately, on that text it's had the opposite effect because now I have two more fat jokes. 
uh, yeah. <laughs> to to make. So but Mueller, if it weren't cool. for this, Mueller wouldn't have got to see her. So I wouldn't have been able to see. You'll be uh, in, her name in the down. office. Michael Scott is the chair model that he sees, and this is my chair model. I would <laughs> never have met her if I if not for this article. So <laughs> we gotta we gotta find out where she works. Yeah. Hopefully she wasn't. She's not dead. <laughs> did she? Did she seriously fit into like a regular air, airplane seat though? <laughs> She actually had to pay more to fit because of the additional space she was taking up. That's part of that's part of this article that she forked out as uh, an extra she seventy buy bucks for, for additional two? space. Yeah. Oh, awesome. How do you just get additional space? What do you mean with like you don't get a I second chair? I don't chair. know. How, I don't know. They how probably have you've been on an airplane. I think they, 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 they say it's arms. additional space because she needs a little extra leg room. Oh, it's just because she's tall. Because I need a little extra leg room. There's a few seats on some planes where they they I think you pay for the leg room. It's a huge scam. Yeah. No. But. Totally. Oh, it's definitely a scam. I will tell you about this scam right now. You go. Oh, I'm not defending. You go to order your tickets. If you go to order your airline tickets online, they're going to bring you to a page and it says select your seat. And every seat you select is going to cost you money. There's no free seats. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the scam is you can just press skip and it'll just randomly assign you a seat and you don't have to pay anything. You're paying just to have a choice. So even even the cheapest. So say you're going to buy the cheapest, crappiest seats. Just skip it because you're going to get them anyways. You might actually get a better seat. Last time I went on a flight, I just the, the flight was half empty when nobody was looking. I went and I scooped up to those emergency seats and I had like a whole aisle to myself. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Don't ever select your seats unless you're adamant about so getting a they charge you for selecting They the charge seat. you for selecting it and they imply that you have to select one. That, like, that is this is just so part. Shady. They don't say like, oh, it's free if you just press skip. They don't say that. Like you have to look in the fine print and kind of find that skip That's button. That's crazy. So, so it's a little mall tip for you. So here's, here's another little part of this article that I'm just reading now that just points out how much of a, a, a bitch she is. <laughs> so, uh, this is a quote from her. Uh, this is a fat person's daily reality and not just on a plane. This is on a bus, standing in line at a grocery store, at a concert on the internet. You can be completely in your own space, not bothering anyone, and people will still fuck with you and try to hurt you. It sounds like she's describing the person that she harassed because he was just minding his own business, mean, not bothering anyone. I mean, anyone. it's just describing her, not, not the person that she harassed. Yeah, that, that's her describing herself yeah. when it totally sounds like <laughs> She's describing the person she has. Oh, and then she goes on to say, all you can do is know you haven't done anything wrong just by existing and move on, which is exactly what she did not do. <laughs> she got upset about it and decided to harass this poor guy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So, today we have a very special episode for you. We're bringing in not just a movie, but also just a movie. Bringing an ideal. An ideal. Bringing in a person. Bringing in uh, your movie god. Uh, George Muller. <laughs> Today, we're talking about hot fuzz. Just like we're talking about hot babes first. Mm, definitely not. <laughs> so. So we're. Hot, hot fuzz, directed by Edgar Wright. Uh, so I guess we can start by talk, talking about hot fuzz by start talking about Baby Driver. Yeah, we all so. saw Baby Driver opening night because we're so... Actually, we didn't see it opening night. It came out on a Wednesday. When the movies saw it on opening. Oh, we saw it opening weekend. It's a great story. Weird. Yeah, great. Just <laughs> um, so say, we're cool. Completely we went opening night almost. So, people are not seeing Baby Driver. I don't know and, if that's entirely true, but... Yeah, that... <laughs> I don't know where you're getting that information exactly. <laughs> I think it's doing quite well. Yes. Not enough people are sure, seeing there Baby you go. Driver. Uh, so this is Edgar Wright's new movie, the guy who directed Hot Fuzz. He directed Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. The a number world, of others. The World's End, those, uh, that kind of trilogy or whatnot. Don't forget he directed Spaced, TV show. 
Simon uh, Pegg. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Baby Driver was awesome. Uh, yeah, and I don't like. We're not doing an episode on Baby Driver uh, just because it would just be an episode of us saying, "Oh, that was awesome." Yeah, that or, was awesome. Those and, car chases. And also, were it's so like, yeah, great. you don't want to kind of spoil any of the cool car stuff. It's a new movie too, so it's like uh, it's, you don't want to spoil too much when it's still new. It's a great movie that everyone should go out and see. Like, just because it's kind of got just to quickly sum up, like it's kind of got everything going for it. It's extremely well shot, a really great cast of characters, very well acted, and great very, dialogue. Yeah, very kind of, I don't want to say unpredictable, but it's like I definitely, there was a, there was definitely moments leading toward the end where I didn't know where it was going to go. I looked like, over and saw your mouth, your jaw dropped into uh-huh. your in, into your wiener sack area and you were sucking on your own wiener while because your jaw was dropped so far. Um, yeah, so it's a really, really great movie. I think a lot of people are put off because it's kind of a silly, stupid sounding name, Baby Driver, and the trailers don't at, at all do it justice. Because uh, the trailers can't bit of a wolf um, of Wall Street. The trailers can't match syndrome. like his his editing style. I think right. that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. like how do you kind of get a lot of his like visual uh, humor into the trailer like that? It's Very like, hard. A normal editor can't quite pull it off. And he does the long play with a lot of jokes that start in one place and they end up yeah, later on exactly. in the movie. It's like how do you how do you fit that into a trailer? So uh, moral of the story: everyone should go see it. Like, I was thinking about it. It's probably. Uh, the best because it's more of an action movie than it is a comedy movie. It's still a funny movie, but it's definitely more on the action side, especially compared to his other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone should see it. I think it's it's perhaps the best action movie I've seen since Fury Road. I'm thinking like can you can you think even of more any than John other? John Wick two? You liked it better. Ooh. Um, Ooh, it's definitely like they're kind of almost tied. Like John, I think it's a better movie. Yeah, John Wick two is probably I guess yeah that's probably John Wick two is probably a better action movie. Yeah, uh, Baby Driver is a better overall movie. Yeah, and um, the car chases are in Baby Driver are oh they're fantastic. I don't, they're, does John Wick even have any car chases or anything? Or uh, sort of briefly at the beginning. And they're they're not worth not it. worth mentioning. So, so if you guys are wondering where the title Baby Driver came from, he was a golf prodigy as a, as a child and um he, he he grew up he just kept his child clubs and he was <laughs> just kidding he wrestles babies and he pile drives babies that's that's where he got it from yeah this movie's great what do you, what's your guys's problem <laughs> uh, so moral of the story like it's it's one of the easily easily the best movie out this year so far in my opinion and i think everyone should go see it so that's that's the story of why we had to bring in Hot Fuzz today because we watched Baby Driver. We're like, okay, Edgar, Edgar Wright needs some uh, he needs some love and he needs some yeah. some attention. Well, also, what a fantastic fella. Uh, I feel like with Hot Fuzz, um, like yeah, obviously you know it came out what like uh, almost ten years ago. Oh, yeah, just over ten years ago, um, and it's. It's not. This isn't just a case of us just bringing in like a random movie. I think. Like I. I honestly think. Uh, Hot Fuzz is a, a modern masterpiece. I think it's a pretty much perfect movie. And when I talk to most people about it, like, have you seen this movie? And most people seem to really mm. like Hot Fuzz. Like, I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anyone say anything negative about it. But everyone says, oh, yeah, that was, movie was good. And I don't think that does it justice. I think it's, like, a classic. Like, I think it's it's... it's it should be regarded as a as a classic movie talked about like many other classic movies. There's a lot of rewatchability in this movie and we're going to show you how. So let's get into the uh let's get into what it's about. If you so spoiler alert, uh we're going to ruin this entire movie for you if you've never seen Hot Fuzz. So Yeah, definitely go watch Hot Fuzz. <laughs> There's it's, it's it's just an incredible. If you, watch. if you don't mind things being, it's still a really enjoyable movie. If you, uh, if even if we spoil it for you, so um, oh, I got some telephone interference here somewhere. Mall, 
Is that what that buzzing in my ear is right yeah, now? Yeah, I can I can hear that too. Could be yours. It's so. the it's the bees. Um. Anyway, so hot fuzz, cop from the city, best cop in the city, makes all his coworkers look bad. So they transfer him to a to a tiny little village where he can't can't do any damage by arresting all the criminals and doing a good job. Cop struggles in the village. He starts seeing mysteries and crimes everywhere. This the most peaceful village in the entire country, but but he just can't turn off his brain mm-hmm. until the mysteries become a little too real. Murder abounds and eventually he finds himself confronting that the very townspeople that he sought to protect are the murderers. Pretty good Pretty much the whole movie. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, he. So we have, I think, probably two or three major acts of the movie. We have we have an act where he's meeting all these villagers and just kind of getting their stories. Uh, we have an act where murders start happening and he starts to kind of piece them together and he's kind of con- con- conflicting with all the people in the police force who do- who think that it's just accidents. And mm-hmm. then we have the last act where he kind of uncovers the mystery to everybody yeah. and then there's a humongous. Uh, shootout, driving, plethora of action scenes for like 25 minutes. Uh, yeah, so the thing that I think makes this movie so great, on top of it's just a very funny movie, but humor subjective. Uh, but, the th- but the thing I think that makes it so great, what makes it stand out ab- above just being another funny movie, uh, is how, inc- how well written and executed pretty much every single second of this movie, every line of dialogue is relevant. Every line of dialogue, it's, it's, it's reminiscent of Back to the Future to me in this, that every line of dialogue is either like, is either a setup, uh, a payoff, or a callback to something previous. Like, it's just everything has relevance, even just throw away I would lines just say that you a, don't think anything of. I would just say it's a setup or a payoff, because the callback is another, it's just it's a another, type, it's it's another type, of type of payoff. So, yeah. um, so there, there is a huge list of setups and payoffs here, and I, I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I can, I, I'll, I'll, I can start with like some really simple ones, like stuff that's like you think is just one little like just on the fly, like just a joke just for this scene ends up being a thing that happens later. Like for instance, uh, he's he's at the bar with he's at the pub with the other uh, people from the police force, including these two like real shit disturber detective types called the, the Andes. Called the Andes. <laughs> um, the Andy shit disturber, and they're like, and they and they they're they're just constantly shit talking uh, the main character Nicholas Angel, um, Sergeant Angel, and they're like Sergeant oh, Angle. They're like, oh, you think you're so so tough coming from the big city, but you know everyone and their moms are packing around. around here. Oh, There's yeah. more guns in the country than anywhere else. And he's like, yeah, like 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 who? And he's like, well, farmers. Yeah, who else? Farmers' moms. <laughs> and it's like it's immediately funny joke because like the only people they can think of is just. Uh, People like a farmer who wouldn't have a, a purpose to own a gun, and his mom, who's probably also working at the farm. But then later in the movie, when he comes back for like the Act big, three. the big crazy like like shoot, like he's un, he's uncovered the mystery, and now he's gonna just kill all all the people in the town, like all the people executing this big conspiracy. Uh, the first people he comes across is, uh, a that, that is, a, is a farmer that shoots at him and, and he takes him down and then the farmer calls to his mom who also has a gun and shoots at him from a distance. So it's like immediately just this kind of like one-off joke is like another, has another payoff later in the movie. It's just lots of really well, clever and there's, stuff And like there's that. really like two or three payoffs in that because he kind of sets up this thing where he's 
he's he he he's saying you know oh yeah is everybody really packing here so you immediately get this joke right about mm-hmm. farmers and farmers mums yeah uh, then later on it actually does end up being a farmer and farmers mum that yes. attack him and he kicks a granny in the face well also which on is a farmers <laughs> mum so that's a and good then also <laughs> on on top of all of that beyond the farmers and farmers mums he ends up being right that everyone in the town is packing guns and he gets in this crazy shootout with like. Everyone. Right, right. So that's like a so they third up, or fourth payoff. They there. end up being right that everyone is packing in that town, and it's just. Yeah, but the end, so he weird. didn't know that though. Like when he's when he's he's just saying it to be like a contrarian to him, right? Well, I'm sure yeah, but, Edgar but Wright I just, knew it when I just he mean, wrote it. I just mean from a fore, from a writing like okay, a foreshadowing for a sure. perspective, yeah. they end up being right, right. Uh, and that and those two characters, there's there's another thing that they end up being completely right about. They're just yeah, they're just shit talking yeah. around. So Nicholas Angel, main character, he ends up he's 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 seen all these murders come together, and and everyone in the town and all the police force, like they're just this small little town, not used to this sort of thing. They're just writing it off as accidents, and they think he's crazy for thinking. Yeah, they keep saying you. They keep saying that line about accidents, like over and over and yeah. over again. The accidents people, people happen have, people all have the accidents, time. Yeah, people have accidents all the time. They keep writing it off. And like, like, there's like four or five gruesome murders at this point, and they're like, well, you know, people just have an accidents all the time. This guy gets like a giant concrete spike falls yeah. from a roof, like pretty much tears his body in half. It's insanely guarded. Like, well, it's another accident. There's like, like four <laughs> insane deaths in the span of like a couple days, and everyone's just like, oh, it's just an accident. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, the dickhead detectives who basically just don't want to do any detective work in here. Uh, so yeah, Nicholas Angel's going to them. He's like, oh, you know, do you ever think these murders, that these were not accidents, they were murders and that they could all be linked and blah. They're really trying to convince him that there's something, a bigger picture going on. Uh, and they say to him, well, look, it's like things aren't, as compl- things aren't always as complicated as they seem. Again, I'm just trying to say it, it could be an accident. And Nicholas Angel goes on to like, Build up this oh, yeah, crazy, this, this crazy huge conspiracy about uh, uh, Simon Skinner, the local uh, super supermarché supermarket owner. <laughs> uh, local supermarché. Big conspiracy that he was trying to stop, like uh, the building of this road that all these people were involved in, that would bring in like the bigger chains of, of supermarkets mm-hmm. that would that would flush them out of business. He builds up this huge conspiracy. Uh, and he ends up being completely wrong. He ends up being right that Simon Skinner was part of the murders, but he he made it way more complicated than it seemed. And really, they were just trying to win the best village of the award. We'll probably get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So there's, there's but the point is is that he was right about it being not accidents, but the detectives were again right mm-hmm. about it not being as complicated as he as he was seen. So there's a there's it's really man, really smart writing. We're going to be building a huge web of payoffs here because there's another payoff in that exact scene that you or like right at that scene. So there's um there's this whole kind of police force, right? And they're they all seem to be either jerks or idiots or clueless. Incompetence. Yeah, generally in, in incompetent. various ways. So wh- there's one cop in particular who's who's just really incompetent. Like every time they're at a crime scene, like he doesn't know what to do. They show this one shot of him at the fair and, and like he's he's holding his little kid's hand and the kid has his face is painted as Spider-Man and the camera pans up to him and, and this adult man has his face painted as Spider-Man. Yeah, and as he's well. a really nerdy, goofy looking guy yeah, too. He just, so it just looks even funnier. He doesn't, yeah, he's, he's very goofy. So, um, uh, after they kind of get educated on this uh, on this scandal, like uh, that that he brings up, and m- maybe it's like slightly further in the, in the movie when they like 
but they kind of figure out the the scandal. All of a sudden, like immediately after, like he learns that scandal, like the next scene, he like starts like rattling off like all this like smart and intricate plan for them to like take them down in the fir- third act. It was kind of this little character development where he's kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, <laughs> so uh, continue on. Um, yeah, like like. The point being for for like both of those two examples is like this is like a little like throwaway joke like something that would just be like one scene one little thing in a movie ends up mm-hmm. being like a major callback or extremely relevant uh, to the plot moving on uh, and I watch this movie and I see things like that and it's like I don't even know how a human could write such a thing where every line has a relevance l- later or several times later mm-hmm. in the movie it's so- very incredible. Can we start? Can we start at the end here, where we're talking about like with this mystery? So he he builds up this very complicated, you know, plan of, of, of saying, "Oh, this is why this person was motivated, and this is why this person killed somebody, and this is why this person killed somebody," and blah blah blah. And like you said, it, it ends up being actually really simple that they wanted to win this Village of the Year award. Yeah. So they start talking about all the people that they murdered, and they and they say, "Well, this guy, um, you know, I, I don't." He's like. Oh, that guy's a, the solicitor. Is that a lawyer? Is that what they? Is that what a solicitor is? Is because that, that was. Which remember which that the, the Romeo and Juliet actor guy? He's he's a. They say he's a prestigious solicitor, and I go, what the hell is that? That's some sort of like English, like a salesman or something. No, I think it means that he's a lawyer because because oh, okay. they, they talk about him doing these real estate deals, and that's why. Yeah, he had some kind of real estate connection to build okay. a road into the town. To- yeah. So and and the, the people don't want their town to be uh, like. They don't. They don't want to become this big city. They want it to but stay like this the little village, aesthetic. so they can, yeah. they can stay. And then, so so Sergeant Angel is like, "Oh, that's why you killed him." And they're like, "No, he was just a really bad actor, and it was yeah. re- it was really atrocious acting." So we ha- he had to go. Yeah, and and, and, <laughs> and and his girlfriend, the girlfriend of the actor that gets killed, they're like. She has like top, yeah. Why'd she, you kill her? They're like, like oh she, well, she has information uh, to these to these other and connections with these other people to help like build get this uh, road built, and she, and she had vital information of, and then we, you had to kill her to stop stop that sort of thing from happening. And then it just turns out well, she has a really annoying laugh. Yeah, have you heard her laugh? Like, <laughs> she has that's a really a annoying laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some of the other murders that happen. So they have uh, the Romeo and Juliet. The that that guy who is a bad actor, and then she has an annoying laugh. Uh, you have the newspaper guy dies, Tim Messenger. Um, there's a really great line where somebody says, uh, "You know, we're not a fan of the local fish wrapper." Yeah, <laughs> which I think meaning that they they just use newspapers to wrap up fish in the market or something like that. Or? Yeah, because like fish markets, like you go to like even in like little Seattle there in the famous mm-hmm. little fishing market, the pipe, thing. the pipe place market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you buy fish from like this. They're not street vendors, but it is like they do all their business like kind of open to the with no open public in the street there. Uh, and they'll just wrap a, you'll buy a fish and they'll just wrap it in a newspaper and yeah. hand it to you. Uh, yeah. You've never so, heard of that before? No, I, no, I, I, I didn't get that reference. That makes way yeah, more we, sense Yeah, well, we now. had to stop and think okay. about it. So um, You had to stop and think about it. I got it right. Oh. There's kind of a, yeah, so there's kind of this setup earlier on. So you kind of have this council of 12 or 13 people that kind of run the city, right? Like you got the doctor and you got uh, the local yeah. supermarket. Yeah, they're, like the they're, na- they're, they're the neighborhood watch association. Yeah, they're all wearing these dark robes at the end when, when he kind of finds out who they are. Mm-hmm. So, er, you know, the, the the pub owners and whatever are part yeah. of that. So earlier on in the pub, the pub owner says that they, they, they say, oh, we're not a fan of the local fish rack. Or, you know, in the in the newspaper, he called me fifty five, and I'm fifty three. Like, and, yeah. and they get, so then later on when they're explaining why they killed him, they're like, man, that newspaper, that Tim Messenger, like he was such a bad speller, and he had spelling errors everywhere. 
he called me 55 and I'm 53. And like, this is their explanation why they murdered him and yeah, like well, dropped a concrete spike onto his it's head. It's also great. Be, yeah. It's also great because they, he builds up this huge conspiracy of like, Oh, the news, the newspaper journalist reporter found information about all these murders that'll link you to all these murders. It just turns out he's just bad spelling. Yeah. And, and there's lots this, of tabloid and, like bullshit that they don't like. So they just have him killed. And there's this great setup earlier on in the movie where, uh, when Sergeant Angel first comes, he gets featured in the paper, and uh, his name is spelt Sergeant Angle. Angle, yeah. So, yeah. And, and all of his, so it's so already a great payoff because all of his coworkers are making fun of him, and they're 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 pasting in his locker little news clippings. Hey, Angle. Hey, Sergeant Angle. Yeah. And they're all, they're all like making a point to say his name wrong to make fun of him. So there's an immediate joke there. But then later on, they're like. They, they bring up this bad spelling and that's why they actually killed Tim Messenger. So there's like a little bit of a link or a payoff there as well. Yeah, and they have like, another thing that he does so well is is just the insane amount of foreshadowing in all of his movies. And the death of, of Tim Messenger is a good example of this. So not like Tim Messenger, the, the journalist that we're talking about, uh, he has just like the obviously the greatest death of the whole movie. Oh my God. Like, oh, it's yeah. just yeah. so insanely gruesome. Uh, and like it's like a two hundred pound concrete block that falls off the chop the top of a high church steeple. Yeah, and the the point down onto his head, and it's just like, and his body's walking there with this huge concrete block. Like, yeah, it's, it's very uh, very unexpected in the movie. Like I remember being shocked by it uh, in the theater. Like how like, gruesome it was. Yeah, because the movie, like it's it's for the most like there's there was some blood and violence because you saw some of the earlier murders before that, but. None of them were. They're kind of quick insane. cuts that but, are like you know they're more implied violence. Like, yeah, because they and also they didn't want to reveal the killer, so it's they're very like uh, vague and ambiguous almost. Um, but he, he goes to Nicholas Angel just just before just before his death, and he's like, "I've got some information I need to I need to show you. Meet me under the under the clock at this time." Uh, but then then Nicholas Angel, they're at some like little town fair event sort of thing and they're having a raffle but then right when he's right around the time he's supposed to meet with Tim Messenger he gets called to to pick out names for this raffle and one of the names that gets picked was uh, Tim Messenger the, 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 the <laughs> oh yeah what's the lady dude. say immediately she's she, there's a setup well, right there. before before that, uh, Simon Skinner, uh, the guy who runs the supermarket, who's suspected Timothy of, Dalton. Timothy we should Dalton. probably point we'll, out. We'll get to him. He's greatest character amazing. in the in the movie. Um and he, his name gets called, and he's not there. And then, like, no one thinks anything of it because nothing's happened yet. Uh, and then, then, but then, someone's just like, "Oh, we must have had too much of of Lily's uh, lemonade or whatever." And everyone kind of chuckles and laughs. But then they call uh, Tim. He grabs Tim Messenger's name, who he's supposed to be meeting up with, like right at this time, and he doesn't show up either because he's he's not there. He's waiting at this other other place for Nicholas Angel to show up. Uh, and then, like the announcer guy, he's like, "Oh." Uh, Tim Messenger, your your time is up. And yeah. He's standing like right under the clock tower and dies like immediately after that. And it's like, that is just beautiful, like immediate foreshadowing of what's about to come. It's so great. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So after Tim Messenger, you have the, the gardening lady who dies. She uh, gets stabbed in the throat with garden shears. Yeah, that's gruesome. Uh, and, and, and everyone, and every, yeah. <laughs> what, what, do, what do you guys think happened? You think she slipped and fell in her garden shears? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's that sounds like a, it was an accident. Like, of course <laughs> she slipped and fell in her garden. So then it's like, oh, well, why'd they kill her? Like, you know, she was, uh, she was selling her property to the real estate development for this, you know, like you said, this highway that's coming in. Yeah. 
and uh, you know she's she's contributing to this, and then like so then they reveal why they actually killed her. And they're like, no, we, she was moving away. We can't have anyone else having such a great gardener like yeah. in their city. Like she's the best gardener. Like she, ha- if yeah. we can't have her, no one can. <laughs> and it's like I just love how like petty the reasons are that they they ended up killing everybody here. And yeah, uh, but that that reminds me of another uh, another one of my. I th- just super like favorite like super clever right. setups and payoffs in the movie. Are, are you moving on from this, by the way? Uh, no, 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 okay. no. I'm talking about just okay, just, just more setup and payoff sort of stuff. Um, at the beginning of like throughout the entire movie, he talks about his peace lily, which is just this plant, right? Uh, and and he says, oh, well, it, a couple, he gets asked about it a couple times for the movie, and it's always just like, oh, you know, it helps, uh, you know, clean oxygen into the air. It, it helps relieve relieve stress. You know, something to do, something to take care of, like all this thing. And it's called it's called a Japanese peace lily. Uh, and then later in the movie, uh, once he starts kind of unraveling this mystery, and then the the neighborhood watch the, the, association the decides, local, the, <laughs> decides to have him killed, uh, and they send uh, the local retarded boy over. Yeah, yeah, this like big, strong, retarded guy who uh, plays the hound, the hound from Game, of, Game Thrones, of Thrones, um, uh, to kill him. And he ends up, uh, Nicholas Angel, main character, he ends up taking out uh, the big re- Lurch. Is his name the local retarded boy? His name is Lurch. Um, mm-hmm. He ends up taking him out. He smashes the peace lily uh, over yeah. his head, and it's like immediately he's using a. a He's referencing something that he's been talking about the whole movie, but it's also like it's kind of it's, it's beautifully symbolic in a way because it's like it's this Japanese peace lily. It's something that that he has at home that helps him relax and, 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 and breathe cleaner. And then he when he smashes it over his head and he breaks it over his head, that's when the movie really takes off yeah. and becomes a like, completely out of control action movie from there on end. And also, it like so they've kind of established throughout the movie because he's he's talking about. You know he's he's broken up with his girlfriend because he's so obsessed with the force, right? And she says, you know, you probably care about your Japanese peace lily more than you care about me, right? Mm-hmm. So they've they've it's the only thing that you know to take care of. So it's they've kind mm-hmm. of established it as um, it's kind of it's a little bit symbolic of him being obsessed with his job too, yeah. right? Like and um, uh, so the the other payoff with that peace lily too is that um, he bu- he goes to buy Danny a peace lily for his birthday. So Danny's his fat sidekick guy, right? Yeah, that he ends um, up becoming friends with which is he basically has no friends ever so. yeah so it's like his first friend ever we can't we haven't even introduced a lot of the characters yeah. here there's like so much to yeah. so much to talk about um so he, he he ends up buying him a peace lily for his for his uh birthday um which ends up getting uh impounded later of course but because he's buying that peace lily he sees the gardening yeah. the gardening lady die right yeah. so it's like another mm. kind of another part of that I, yeah uh, I that think peace it, lily Intricacy. It, thing. It's important to note too. Before he gets into that scrap with uh, what's the retarded guy's name? Lurch. Lurch. Um, the the scenes. The couple boy. scenes before that is when, like, nothing materialized for his theories, and he just couldn't. He didn't have that that smoking gun, right? Yeah. And everyone's calling him crazy, and he's just he's pretty much like he's defeated. He's like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. done. And then uh, he's pretty like he's he's down, and he goes in, and then that's when he sees Lurch. It, that's when he's like, I'm not crazy. And yeah, yeah. he smashes the, the thing over his head. And it, it, that's like a 35 minute roller coaster, man. It's yeah. There's awesome. A, there's a great part that. in that, in that very short moment where he's kind of given up on his yeah. theories and he's stuff. And he's kind of, he's kind of resigned himself. And uh, so he, I think he's sitting at the pub or something and somebody says, Oh, too bad about Leslie Tiller. She's the gardening lady. Yeah. yeah. Stabbed with the shears. And then he just kind of blandly goes, she tripped and fell on yeah. her own shears. And yeah. it's like such a, he just yeah. kind of says the same line that everyone else yeah. is saying. It was, it's a nice little, uh, 
a nice little moment there. So, um, so we we're talking about all all the people who are kind of dying and, and that they're actually dying for these very stupid, like really very like, minuscule, re- really reasons. like minuscule annoyance, really petty reasons. Yeah. And I, I just like, I just think it's like it's really great that he there's something really funny and true about what he's talking about too, because like I, I've, I've, I've just kind of found, especially lately, I've been thinking about this a lot that I find that people, um, people who come to you with a complaint, like in your personal life, like usually there's some very dumb annoyance or selfish reason for why they're talking, but people tend to like, people tend to complicate their own feelings, like for the most part. And like, there's a, there's like, Dude, it's like talking to Pat, man. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, I, uh, you can't just like it's like I'm uh, Pat. Are you coming to this thing? No, I'm not coming. Uh, man, yeah, yeah, I am. Just hold on a sec. Oh, hold on a half an hour. And it's like you can't just say your most selfish little thing, which is like, no, I don't feel like it. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to come. And I've just found right. that, like like people really like. I think that Ed, I think that Edgar Wright has seen this. Like I think that he's seen that people don't have that ability, mm-hmm. and it's like and. Um, it's, he's kind of like written this in because like I don't. It just seems really obvious to me because Sergeant Angel's coming up with all these complex reasons that make so much sense and like they satisfy all your like social niceties and your like sense of mm-hmm. justice. And it's like now we killed her because we don't like her laugh. Because yeah. yeah. like, <laughs> like so that's that's where you get Pat for not listening to our podcast. We can talk as much yeah, shit about you as you want, and you'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get, idiot. So. More setoffs and payoffs. Setups. 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 So uh, we were talking. Um, we were talking about the so Tim Messenger gets impaled on that spike that that the really gruesome fella. death. So this leads into us talking a little bit about Timothy Dalton. So uh, the greatest character in the movie, one of the greatest movie characters from the last like twenty years. Oh, probably. easily. Yeah. Uh, every single fucking second he's on screen is hilarious and beautifully performed and I just can't imagine anyone else uh, giving that performance. It is so fucking great. Like if you ever watch me watching that movie or in the room with me watching that movie, like every time he's on screen like I'm just like laughing uncontrollably, like slapping my knee like every second he's on screen is is incredible. (laughs) So Timothy Dalton Uh, gets introduced. So the scene is Sergeant Angel is uh, running through the village on his first day. He's jogging. He's not running from something. He's jogging. He's exercising. Morning jog. And everybody's uh, everybody's, you know, hey, Sergeant Angel, you know, the perfect village. Well, what's great about this before even getting to Timothy Dalton, like all these people, yeah, they're saying good morning and then and then these people drive by and they're like, morning, morning, Mr. Angel. And like, he's like been in town for like a day. Like, like, like he, he got there the night day, before. The yeah, night the before. night before. Yeah. And everyone seems to know him. But all these people greeting him and giving him like a head nod as he runs by, he ends up getting into like this crazy violent epic shootout later in the movie. Yeah, every, every single person single who introduces person. themselves it's to incredible. him are the ones he ends up shooting later. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, so then he's on his, his his morning jog and he's just he's kind of confused. He's looking around because everyone's everyone keeps saying hi to him and knows who he is, even though he's been there for less than twenty four hours. Uh, and he hasn't talked to any of them. Like he just he no. went straight to like the pub and then to the hotel. But then Timothy Dalton, jog- <laughs> this is his intro scene to the movie. We've never seen him. Nicholas Angel's never seen him. He jogs up alongside him because he's also it's like a It's actually a little startling type. the way he kind of just all of a sudden he's like right yeah, beside him. Yeah, he just him. enters frame really quick and he's like, you have to lock me up. And he just I'm a slasher and I must be stopped. He's like, excuse, I, excuse me? What? He's a just, slasher of 
Of prices. <laughs> My discounts are criminal. Catch me later. Yeah, and what's great, and then again, when we talk about setup and payoff, beyond everyone in that scene that nods at him ending up being the killers in the movie that he gets in a big shootout with, uh, when when Timothy Dalton, yeah, as he exits the scene, he's, yeah, he's like, oh, my, my discounts are criminal. And he's like, catch me later. And then he kind of <laughs> jaunts like up the, like up the frame, up and out of the frame. Like, and then in the, in, in later in the movie, he ends up getting in like a, like a foot chase with Nicholas yeah, Angel. Yeah, that he has uh, Nicholas Angel's, tr- Sergeant Angel is trying yeah. to catch him. And uh, they kind of establish that he's a fun runner because mm-hmm. uh, he has this trophy. This, a f- isn't that a very funny, a fun runner? Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's that a thing that people do, though. That's that sounds stupid. I mean, it does sound stupid, but <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> so, like everything that t- that Timothy Dalton says in this movie is like a setup for something else. A- almost everything, yeah, and it's also beyond that because we've we've talked a lot about setup and payoff here. But beyond just that, and and you're right, every pretty much everything he says is a, is a setup for something later or something immediate. But it's his delivery too, and I, I can't fake a British. It's so I maniacal. Like. I can't fake a British accent, so I'm not gonna try. Oh no no no! You gotta no, try. Please do. Please, please do. No, try. No, 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 Come no, 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 on. Because I, I I I'm trying to talk about about this thing that I want to do justice, and me doing a crappy accent will. You dishonor. never will do accents. No, I ever. No one on the planet has seen Andy do this. No, yeah, no. We. We'll I haven't seen you, you do accents either. Why are you calling me? I've for? tried. I've tried doing a few I'm accents bad at on accents. this show. Oh well, yeah. go fuck yourself. He's <laughs> talking all this smack about me in the same situation. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, we need a call to action. If, if we ever have a Patreon, there's going to be a goal where Andy has to do an accent yeah, on it if I, we I, need it. I don't hear any accents out of anyone else in this room, so go fuck yourself. Lock me up. I'm a slasher, and I must be stopped. There, that's a, that's my anyway. impression of an English accent. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just the way he delivers, even even his less maniacal, villainous-sounding lines, he just says it in such a way it sounds so villainous, like almost like one of the over-the-top Bond villains. Or like a Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. villain. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Uh, but then also, like, they'll be having, like, these regular conversations, like, people in the movie will be having regular conversations with him, and he'll walk up and just say the most, like, violently insane-sounding yeah, thing. Yeah, so, so I, I wrote down a few, uh, a few lines of uh, things that he says to people who end up getting murdered later. Mm-hmm. So I think he's talking oh, about yeah. the, the land developer guy whose house gets blown up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, 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 sorry. Um, who uh, no the, the actor because they get their heads chopped off that's yeah the, the actor and the actress and the he's, Romeo and Juliet he's talking about actresses. something to do with loyalty with them I'm not I'm not sure like, I think maybe because they're going to a different supermarket than them or something than his supermarket okay anyway so he says may their heads be struck from their shoulders <laughs> for their <laughs> disloyalty <laughs> it's, it's like he just says this in a pub like in front of a bunch of people like it's a normal yeah. life, and everyone's laughing at it like they think it's like a but funny yeah, joke there's another scene. Uh, the chick, the actress with the annoying laugh, who again is suspected of of having ties with uh, people that can help get this road built that Timothy Dalton's character supposedly doesn't want built, uh, and he just like looks at her and once he's like, "I bet if we." bashed your head and all sorts of secrets would come tumbling out (laughs) just in the middle of regular conversation and the whole time and she's laughing she's like "Ah." everyone nobody thinks anything of it and he's it's he just the entire time he has this completely shit eating grin on his face (laughs) and he's got this hilarious mustache like he's just comedically villainous but he's just like a supermarket owner (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's, he's not like 
So but like his like his character and his actual like role in the community, it's like he doesn't seem like this threatening figure, but the way he talks, it just sounds so villainous. There's a great scene later on where Sergeant Angel is unraveling his whole he's he's figured out the conspiracy of all these murders. So he marches in. He supposedly he supposedly has figured, has figured it in. It's this thing that is supposed to is supposed to make a lot of sense but ends up being totally wrong. Um so he marches all the cops into the the local supermarché, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is how Timothy Dalton puts it. Um so and he 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 unravels his entire plan and and he basically says you know you're you're murdering these people because you don't like the competition that's coming. Yeah, you're they, trying they, to stop potential competition for. They, they establish that there's a there's a there's a bigger supermarket you know a Walmart esque figure yes. that's uh, you know that his that his disloyal customers have switched to and and there's just this great shot where he says oh I I relish the opportunity for competition um, certainly my workforce does like I want to energize. My yeah, any, anything to energize my work. Yeah, something, something <laughs> and, then, and then the the camera shot looks through like this window into a dark room mm-hmm. with like just a spotlight on these the most depressed looking supermarket workers yeah. ever. Oh, like and, young kids and the retarded lurch guy. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and it's just like it's so unconvincing. <laughs> like they just I don't know why they're standing there all watching either. Like it makes no yeah, sense that they're right. not at their jobs just working. Was that like um. Is there a setup and payoff there too, though? When he's like, uh, they need to get well, he's say, competition, get them energized. To energize yeah, and, to, and then at the end, they're all fighting the supermarket. At the end, people, when when they right? after after he has this big like court, Sh- this court courtyard like shootout with the, everyone in the town, yeah. they later go to the supermarket to confront Simon Skinner, and all the employees are helping uh, take yeah. down the police force. And they're just like a bunch of young yeah, all, all the young they're teenagers. Them, yeah. They're throwing fruit and stuff at the cops, and then the yeah. cops just shoot them, shooting back. at them with like shotguns. <laughs> And the kids immediately just start running away because they're like, what are you doing? Um, more Timothy Dalton quotes after this gremlin, this week's gremlin of the week. again have the distinguished honor of making sure it isn't Mueller who does gremlin of the week because he'll never again screw it up. I just have a little quick one because the gremlin is hardly in the movie. <laughs> Those um, are some of the best ones, though. Yeah, like we had mentioned previously, the uh, the acid throwing in the face gremlin. Yeah. Like he's in it for like. It was funny that you wrote him down because you're like, oh, I got him on my list, and it was like the guy I picked was uh, he was only in maybe thirty seconds more, but it was funny that you picked yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the gremlin I love uh, this week, I'm taking it back to uh, Gremlins One taking again. It back. Taking it, <laughs> taking it back, old school. Uh, it's. I've actually been holding off on this Gremlin. This. This, this is. This has been. This was initially my favorite Gremlin upon watching Ooh. both of the Gremlin movies. Uh, I was kind of the one that sparked the idea I had for Gremlin of the week. It's what inspired the idea. Okay. Okay. So I. I but I didn't want to blow my load right away with this <laughs> one. So I've been holding off. Um, but my uh, Gremlin of the week is the Mugger Gremlin. Yes. Now so. Pretty much the best scene in the first movie uh, is the bar scene. We've, we've referenced it a few times. The first <laughs> gremlin I brought in was the, the gremlin smoking three cigarettes while, right. while drinking beer. So in that same scene, there's about a billion fantastic gremlins. Yes. One, of, one of your first gremlins that you brought in was the, uh, the depressed gremlin yeah. drinking in the back. Same yeah. scene. There's like a million great gremlins in that scene. But the gremlin that stuck out to me at the end of this, the bar scene where they're all drinking, hoot and holler and having a great time, 
the main chick, uh, she tries to, to flee. She's been, like, she works at the bar, and she's just been serving them drinks, like, trying to keep up, and she uh, has a chance to flee. She's, she's grabbed a camera, and she notices that the flash kind of either knocks him out or kills him, and never really, they never Seems fully, to stun them. It seems yeah. to at least stun them, at, at the it's very like a least. stun grenade. So just as she tries to, to, to run out the, the door, the exit, the exit slash entrance to this pub, um, a gremlin pops through the door, and he's got a ski, a little tiny, adorable ski mask on, like like a robber mask. Yeah, like a robber mask. A balaclava. Uh, a balaclava, balaclava, pretty much. It's like a light brown balaclava. Whoa, nerd talk here. Ooh. Yeah, balaclava is how nerdy. Um, and he's also wielding a gun and, and like a little mini gun. Right? Yeah, he's not. He's not attacking gun. her. It, I don't. I think it's just. It looks like a little. Is it supposed to be? No, it's gun. like a little mini sized gremlin gun, isn't it? Or no? I, I, I can't right? remember. It, it looks it's like hand just gun. a handgun. Oh, okay. It's just Small a handgun. Okay. Uh, a mini, a mini handgun, but that's the style of gun. But there's, there's just a few things I love about this game. Again, the adorable little uh, ski mask. The, the <laughs> adorable ski mask. I've never heard those two words. Well, because together. <laughs> it's because it's like little gremlin size, it is. but it's clearly not like, <laughs> like some rag he picked up. Like it's an actual ski mask like, or a balaclava. He, he cut out to this, fit him. Like yeah, he made this um, thing himself. And I just, I love that this gremlin's been alive for only like a day. Really, because he was just just born from from one of the other mogwais being thrown into water, which spawns a mm-hmm. whole bunch of gremlins. So he's only been alive for like less than twenty four hours, and he's already out mugging people. Not just like a violent animal attacking people. He's out with a gun trying to mug them for money. <laughs> and I just love. I start thinking, it's like, why? Why does this gremlin need money? <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, and also, he's one of the very few gremlins in the entire series in both movies uh, to wield a gun. There's only like three or four that I can recall. Okay. There's this one. Um, there's the Brainiac gremlin, which, Muller, you brought in uh, many episodes ago. It's the only one worth bringing in besides the most important gremlin, Daniel um, R. Clamp. You're fired. Stripe, stripe the, the main gremlin at the end of the first one. He has a gun at the end in, oh, in the yeah. toy okay. fight scene. And in Gremlins 2, the stripe equivalent, who becomes the big spider yeah, gremlin. Yeah, Mohawk or something. Yeah. yeah. He also, there's a scene where he's like shooting an Uzi at, uh, okay. at uh, Billy Pulitzer. Um, it's just great. That, that's, that's my gremlin of the week. I just, it's, it's pretty awesome. It always stood out to me. I just loved that. I think that's when it occurred to me that the gremlins were just shitheads. Mm-hmm. Like he's just mugging people. He's not a violent <laughs> animal attack. Really. He's out trying to mug people for money, which he would never be able to use <laughs> or really understand the concept of currency. He just, that's what he, 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 he doesn't know anything. He's like, oh, I guess yeah, this is what people do. Just a degenerate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How does the gremlin make you feel? Like all gremlins, it just brings me joy. <laughs> Well, that is the prestigious gremlin of the week. There's a great line that Skinner, Timothy Dalton, Simon Skinner, the Supermarché owner, says he's talking to. I think I don't. I don't know if he's talking about Tim Messenger or who, but he goes, "Oh, he'll be in bits tomorrow." Oh, he's talking about the architect guy. He's talking, yeah, the guy who has like the house that doesn't fit the village's rustic. Because he's super drunk. Because he has like a huge mansion in the middle of this tiny. Yeah, and it also has like all these like modern like appliances and just it just looks very modern and very sleek. But the whole village has this, yeah, this rustic. This rustic aesthetic is what they keep calling. That's what they keep calling it. So they end up. Uh, getting like he gets drunk, they throw him back in, in in his house, and they make it look like he he left the stove on and or left the propane on, and it blew up the entire house. So it's a reference to him exploding yeah. later in the movie. Yeah. So there's another line that he says. Um, I I think he's 
there's kind of a double entendre. He says, oh, I'm sure he'll just become another crime statistic. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, oh, yeah. S- he did I'm, say that. I'm, was, it, was, it, was it about the same um, No, no, no. He's, he's talking that, about the, the guy who... Uh, the purple like the, guy? The young, the young guy in the purple jumpsuit who steals yeah. from the supermarket. Oh, and right, he doesn't right. want to press charges, supposedly, because, oh, I don't want him to become another crime statistic, which, again, is in reference that they're trying to win this village of the ward and have crime low, but they're just killing all these people and throwing them like in, in a right. ditch, the ditch, basically. So that brings me to... To being suspicious of people, so there's a, there's a, there's multiple payoffs in this one, and that, and that guy's part of it. So um, near the beginning of the movie, and in, in Act One, you know, he's Act One where he's just getting introduced to the village and whatnot, and establishing all these things. So um, Sergeant Angel's sitting in his cop car with his partner, Fat Danny. Uh, Danny's his name, yes. Da- Danny. Um, Nick Frost, the name of the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many names. Butter, people, people butter something. What's this? Mis- yeah. uh, what's just more name? names. Butterbean. That, butter, 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 like the head of the, the chief yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 And he just got into it because it's like, well, my dad did it. So Yeah, and he eventually becomes Sergeant Angel's only friend. But at, so at the beginning, Sergeant Angel's trying to say, you know, like, you got to do cop work. You got to check people out. Like, look, uh, look at this guy. Uh, like, why does he have a trench coat on? Like, maybe he's trying to hide something here. And Danny assures him. He says, oh, that's Mr. Treacher. Like, he wouldn't yeah. be hiding anything. Of course, later on uh, in the act, third act, when everything goes to shit, uh, he has a shotgun, huge under, shotgun, a under, huge this, shotgun was, under this trench coat that he, he starts firing at Absolutely right. Um, and then uh, look at that guy. Uh, you know, he looks kind of suspicious. And Danny's like, "Oh, that's just the local retarded guy. Like he's not a." Uh, He's, yeah. not, he's not really a, he's not really a threat or anything, and of course, like he ends up at, like trying to kill Sergeant Agent by, yeah, by the end as well. Basically, he calls out all these people that end up being major threats. Yeah, like, and later the, in the movie, there, there's there's a great dynamic where like uh, up until you actually see like the Romeo and Juliet people get murdered, like you there there is an idea that maybe he actually just can't take it here. Like maybe uh-huh. maybe he is just seeing into things, um, and then he sees this guy in this purple tracksuit that you're talking about, and he says, "Look at that guy! Like he looks." Like a gangster, he's got his. Why is his hat pulled down? Yeah, he's you know, got he, this baseball cap that's like pulled down, covering his eyes, and he's, he's kind of looking down. Like, yeah, he, really he, looking he looks mischievous. real suspicious, right? And he's like, "Oh, he probably he. You know, why do you think he doesn't want people to see his face?" Immediate payoff, Danny's like, "Well, because he's butt ugly," and or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, it, there's so right away there's a joke, uh, and then later on uh, there is. There's a chase scene. So, yeah. so, so the guy in the purple tracksuit, he steals from from Timothy Dalton's store, uh, and then he ch- and then Sergeant Angel catches him. So, so, so there's a chase. So he's running after yeah. him, and uh, they do this huge, big, elaborate chase going everywhere. They finally catch him, and Danny's like, "Oh, I know who this guy is. Like he's uh, Bertha's aunt's sister's cousin's son." And he's yeah. like, "Well, why didn't you tell me that who he was? I wouldn't have chased him." And, and then he's like, "Well, I couldn't see his face." <laughs> 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 so, so there's a there's a there's a second uh, great, great is a great payoff because like before he was doubting like whether that was relevant and then now he's like using it against Sergeant Angel just to increase his frustration um of course and then yeah and then later on uh so they catch him and then Simon Skinner says oh I'm Timothy Dalton oh I'm not going to I'm not going to press charges you know we don't want to he's just going to become another crime statistic and of course yeah. he just murders him after so he is there's actually another, a, in that in that same scene another one of Timothy Dalton's just 
great deliveries and because and, Nicholas Angel is just again trying he's like well you should be pressing charges you should be pressing charges and Timothy Dalton's he's just like well and he has he has a bag of cookies in his hands that he's handing out to like everyone in the police office uh, and he's like well that's just the way the cookie crumbles <laughs> that's the way the way he says it is like so any line villainous. just yeah, yeah just sounds immediately villainous so what about ice cream and and cake in this movie. Oh, yeah. They're always celebrating things. All the cops are always just... Every morning, yeah, they're having like some kind of cake or dessert or ice cream. Yeah, and they're always trying to give Sergeant Angel some of the ice cream or cake, and and like and like so there will be a, there's like a shot of Sergeant Angel sitting on a chair, and it's just kind of got him in the center, uh, uh-huh. and he's talking, and then somebody just like whips this ice cream out from the side of the like just an arm appears into the screen. And yeah. Say, hey, want some ice cream? And he's like, nope. He pushes it away, and it kind of pops out, and it's kind of symbolizing how relaxed everybody is yeah. at the station and how uptight. That is a, that Angel is another is. thing I want to come back to in, in a little bit. Uh, th- like referencing that, but yeah, it's very symbolic of this police, this very naive, uh, unsuspecting police force, and like they're just they're so casual and take it easy that they're just all eating cake like every single morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, and and even Danny's like who who gets uh, like he he arrests him for drunk driving, and he's like, you know, this is a serious offense, and they're like, oh yeah, we're 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 gonna we're taking this very serious. We're gonna be punishing Danny for sure. Looks like we're going to be having ice cream for a month. Chunky monkey for <laughs> the Chunky next monkey. Month. <laughs> like yeah, that's his like, punishment. Oh, no. Ah, shucks. So it's not even necessarily that he's bringing the ice cream, just that the flavor that they're going to be eating is not his favorite, is his punishment yes. for drunk driving and almost <laughs> yeah, running and almost over killing someone. someone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it just, def- so there's like, I would say that gaslighting is a really big theme in the movie it's a you know sergeant angel who is people are constantly treating him like he's on crazy pills and yeah. like like even though he can actually see what's what's really going on and, and just like this increasing frustration like mm-hmm. of him like just constantly being frustrated by uh you know because he's he's you know 400% more arrests than any anyone else in the police force and then he comes to this place where nobody it's like there hasn't been a murder in 20 years. Yeah, there hasn't been ha- reported. Yeah, yeah. There, there hasn't been. A- yeah. And yeah. again, I, I want to emphasize again the importance of like he's building up and noticing like this huge mystery and everyone tells him it's like, no, 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 it's not that. It's not that big a thing. You're just, you're dreaming up this whole thing. Like keep saying stuff like that to him. Yeah. And they end up being right and they end up being wrong. It's yeah. this great little duality where he's totally right, but and they're totally right as well. But mm-hmm. they're just they're still being naive, even though they're right. Yeah. The uh, the other form of that, you know, accidents happen all the time. Setup and whatever. It's, there's another setup where people keep somebody says to him, "Not everyone's a murdering psychopath. This isn't the city." Uh, like you know, this isn't like the city. This is just a village. And so, what it, the, the the payoff of that is that it turns out that everybody in the city is, is. <laughs> like the the percentage of people in this village who are murderers is way higher than the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that like ends up being this good ironic joke. Mm-hmm. Um. So. You got more? Oh, I got so much, I was going to ask you guys a quick thing. We 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 passed over the, the house exploding. Mm-hmm. Right. So was that a miniature? Yes. It was, okay. Yeah, it's a really great looking it miniature. It looked awesome. Uh, it's one of those ones where you can notice it's a miniature if you're looking for it. Okay. I'm always looking for miniatures. Just walking down the street in my day-to-day life looking yeah. for miniatures, so <laughs> I got it right away. So, so just like that, <laughs> just walking down the sidewalk, <laughs> any miniatures in this? I never see any. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah. Um, so he's teaching Danny about 
about kind of how to be a good police officer. So um, he's talking to him about using the notebook. And, uh-huh. and, and he's, and he's mm-hmm. saying, the notebook is our most important tool. So, so they kind of have this scene where he catches the, this actor speeding. Yeah, up. he pulls him over for speeding, and he just sits there writing on his notepad everything the yeah. guy says, and everything the actor says as he's trying to talk his way he's, out of he's it. He's trying to use these lame excuses. Listen, I'm an important guy. Yeah. Like I need to get to the play. I'm an actor. I should be able to speed. And, and he's just writing yeah. down on and the, the notepad. More, the more that he's just uh, standing there writing down everything he says, the more kind of distraught and... And and uncomfortable and and the speeder un- unkempt yeah unkempt the he's the like oh, why are you writing stop gets. stop writing that uh, uh, and then eventually he gets so upset that he just says he okay bre- he breaks him down yeah, yeah I apologize I shouldn't have been speeding okay and and, and he and Sergeant Angel says nothing the whole time yeah. he, all he says is what he's writing yeah point of all of this uh, after they do this uh, Danny the other cop looks to him. And he says, he's like, oh, that was, that was really, really crazy. And he's like, he's like you that hypnotized was, that was, Yeah, you hypnotized <laughs> yeah. him. And, he, and, that, and that's when he says, he's like, yeah, it's like this, you know, this notebook is, this notepad is the most important tool. It's like it saved my skin yeah, more than. It, very specifically, it saved my skin yeah. more times than I can imagine. So the payoff for this is later on, he, 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 gets, he gets stabbed because uh, all the cult people, the culty whatever, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, what Brotherhood Watch? Yeah. NWA, the NW who, Neighborhood Watch Association. Who Danny's somewhat associated the, the the cop that he's been friends with is somewhat associated with because his dad is part of that association. But he doesn't know the nefarious. He, yeah, he plan. doesn't know the far extent of it. He just no. thinks they're just sending, kicking people out of town, sending them on their way. Um, so he ends up being the one to stab Nicholas Angel, but he stabs him right, in right the, where the right, notebook is. Right yeah. in the notebook, knowing well, that it won't kill and him. It's all, it's like a double payoff because early in an earlier scene, he jokingly uh, stabs himself in the eye in the bar yeah. and squirts right, the ketchup everywhere. So when he well, when he stabs him, he has fake blood comes out too. So immediately you know, oh, this is fake. Yeah, like, it's like two callbacks to, yeah. to something previous. Yeah. I just skipped over it's that really, setup and payoff. Really, really clever. Yeah, so, there's a, so while he's teaching him you know, or you know, kind of teaching him how to be a cop, right? Um, so there's there's oh, there's kind of this theme where everybody is constantly just ragging on Sergeant Angel's job, specifically all the cops. Like the even though they're cops too, they're always you know like like he's giving um, he's giving a. Uh, to the school children, like a kind of a seminar on like being a cop, and it's all like very boring because he's just talking about following procedures and stuff, like nothing cool. And then so Tim Messenger comes along to take a photo. He's like, "Oh, let's take a photo. Uh, give a blind guy guy your hat. Give, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, why don't you put a teacher in handcuffs? That'd make uh-huh. a good photo." Like, and he just he's always spelling his name wrong. Uh, Danny's like, "Is it true that if you shoot a man in a certain spot in his head?" His whole head will explode, and people, yeah. and people are just like constantly like like they don't get what he's about because he's just a very process oriented guy who's like he's the judge dread of the law, right? Like he's just he's Pretty just much. following the process of the law. Um, so there's this scene where where Danny's asking him. He's like, "Have you ever done X? Have you ever been in a shootout? Have you ever been in a high speed chase? Uh-huh. Have you ever been in like you know?" And he keeps asking him, and Sergeant Angel's like, "No, no, like blah blah blah." And so the payoff of this is that by the end of the movie, not only has Sergeant Angel done all these things, but Danny has as well. The big epic action, yeah, like yeah. like twenty to thirty minute action sequence at the end involves all of the all things, the things all he was things asking, asking, him about. asking him about. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. So. Um, um, I, I think I think before we move on uh, to another aspect of what makes this movie great, the gremlin, about, no. <laughs> more gremlin, gremlin. <laughs> round two. Um, 
no, because we haven't yet talked about. I wanted to save this for last. I mean, if because I, I think we've kind of covered. Oh no, we. I think we've covered enough of it. An hour and, and seven tenish minutes. Now I got a into, bunch more points that I want to make here that are pretty. I'll, I'll skip my low of my shit my crummier points, but I got some. Go ahead, ones. Andy. So. Well, I I I, I want to save uh, the big one. You're going to talk about how great the living statue is, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the gold guy is just dancing and annoying the the NWA. Well, let's uh, let, let's <laughs> let's speed round a, a few off. Speed here. Well, <laughs> okay, so um, I want to talk a little bit about the church roof because there are so many payoffs mm-hmm. with, with the church roof. So there's so in the police precinct. They have, they have, they have immediately a really funny gag, which is that they have a swear jar and the, yeah. all the proceeds go to the church to roof. fixing yeah. to restoring the church yeah. roof. It's, it's, so there's a really funny visual joke where it shows all the all the swear words yeah. and like what the costs associated, yeah. associated with them are. Yeah. And, and like the, I don't know, it's just kind of funny to see them all. Written. Yeah. I'm not sure why it's funny, but ah, it just is, especially because. Yeah, it, it's just funny. Throughout the um, movie, they're putting money in, I guess, because yeah. it's, it's kind of reminiscent of like Demolition Man almost. Yeah, and, and it's, the... you know, it's, it's a rated R comedy, so they're swearing not yeah. like a, t- a crazy amount, but they're swearing yeah. a lot, so it's like you constantly just hear change going into that. Yeah, the, the, the change right. by the swear box. So there's so there's so there's kind of like this this one payoff in it in that um, so the, the proceeds go to the church. Um, and at the end of the movie, the reverend ends up getting shot, and uh, and then he just starts swearing, and he like he takes the Lord's name in vain or uh-huh. whatever. So it's like there's this very hypocritical, like ironic, yeah. like kind of payoff with uh-huh. it. I, I I don't know, like what is? Oh, the I re- didn't think of it that way. That's yeah, funny. What's the reverend? He like comes out during the fight, this huge shoot scene. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you stop, stop all the madness? All this mindless violence. Yeah, yeah, and he's talking is. like a real. You know, whatever, and then they just he he immediate the Reverend immediately pulls out two guns, yeah. and then Sergeant Angel shoots him. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like immediately like yeah takes takes yeah. the Lord's name in vain. So you have kind of this ironic thing. Yeah, and uh, as as we discussed, this same church roof they end up killing Tim Messenger with. They push like a big chunk of the stone off of it. Right. So, yeah. So I was I wanted to talk about that um, a little bit. Is that so Skinner use so Skinner cuts off. This, this spike on the church roof. So the, the first setup part of that payoff is that proceeds go to the church roof. So it tells us, very similar to like Back to the Future uh, with the Save the Clock Tower, is like it tells us that there's something wrong with the church roof setting up that murder, that, that this, mm-hmm. this spike could be easily dislodged. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a payoff there. Um, and then so... Skinner uses this church spike to impale Tim Messenger, right? He cuts it off. It's already loose and he kind of he kind of loosens it more and pushes it down onto him. Yeah. So there's kind of two there's like kind of like an intricate multiple payoffs here because so that spike ends up being what impales Skinner at the end of the movie because sort he, of, yes. he trips and falls. So they're they're having this big fight scene. And a little miniature statue of in like, a miniature version of the town. So yeah. the town has been recreated yeah. maybe waist high, right? Yeah. So he ends up tripping and falling, and then this spike goes through the bottom of his jaw. Like, like just up, under his chin. Out, out, out through like the front of his mouth, and he ends up getting in, impaled on the exact same mm-hmm. thing that he used to impale yeah. um, uh, Tim Messenger. Uh, but the other thing that's kind of funny about that is like part of the payoff with the swear jar is that they... Um, Think about this loose spike, right? It's loose, it falls off. Um, but they put a ton of money into this swear jar just before he gets impaled. And there's almost like this symbolism of them building up like the church spike and repairing it, which is mm-hmm. like, like it, it's, it's a little bit of like a stretch, but it's kind of like this funny like symmetry where like, because you remember there's this one particular scene where they're all shouting in the police 
uh, uh, station, and they're putting in a ton of money. Like Danny's there, and one of the Andes is there, and they keep swearing at each other, and they're just slapping in more money and slapping in more money. And then shortly after, Skinner gets impaled, like on the perfectly in perfect shape uh, church roof yeah. mm -hmm. uh, thing. So I thought that was like a pretty a pretty interesting uh, payoff. And part of that. Um, Part of that one too. Holy cow! There's like so it's many the payoffs. Speed round ever. There's well, so I mean, many payoffs. The with, reason with I don't want to go through every single one because we'll just end up recounting the whole plot of the movie. And we're going to talk about it's every I'm not even done movie. with the payoffs just of that spike. We've talked about <laughs> Skinner dying like eight times already. Because no, <laughs> no, but there's there's this there's the scene with the box cutters where um, there's a scene in the supermarket where this uh, like like his his assistant girl. Uh, yeah. She chases after all the police, and they've got all these shotguns and guns. And she has a small exacto blade, yeah. like a box cutter. And then so she ends up uh, just getting. So it's kind of like this big. I'm gonna get you. And then just like the scene stops because somebody hits her in the face with like a. The Doris nails her. Yeah, send them and <laughs> a little bit of girl on girl action. Yeah. <laughs> so, Doris has so many funny jokes. Um, and then so so Skinner's assistant ends up like kind of having this very type of tone uh, of feeling, you know, the big hurrah, I'm going to get you, and then it immediately gets stopped. And then so when Skinner ends up getting impaled, the exact same thing happens. He pulls out a box cutter, starts to run after them, like yelling, and then trips and falls and gets impaled. And there's yeah. like kind of this great uh, poetry and symmetry. So let's move on to the swan. Well, so the ultimate... Uh, Example of setup and payoff. Uh, I never noticed this initially watching the movie, but upon rewatching it, uh, like a, a month ago or so, I was just so impressed. And I don't know if this will sound like the funniest thing necessarily, but I was just so impressed by the filmmaking and and, and writing aspect of this. The ultimate setup and payoff in this movie uh, is the Swan. The Swan has escaped. So, that's the setup. So he's he's at he's at this new. It's very or very very early on in the movie. Uh, he's just joined this uh, police force and and he's used to like big crime in the big city. Like he's used to very serious, constant. It like, shows crime. him in the beginning. He gets stabbed in the in the in the hand yeah. by, by a, a man, Peter Jackson, yeah. dressed as Santa Claus. And all the other police force are just like doubting him, and he's, he's just he's just oh you're just hyping up all this stuff. Yeah, it's we like, had another police officer who was just like you from the city, yeah. and he. Ended ended up going mad which you find out later they killed him so he gets he gets this phone call from someone uh reporting their missing swan and he takes it as a joke because like, yeah. it almost describes like he, they're describing it almost yeah, sounds like the caller like, is just describing a dick well be, be, yeah so so oh, um, so there's there's a, there's so the thing about the swan that i'm, I'm uh, getting at is that there's okay. like it's just this simple little swan setup that has like Eight payoffs throughout the movie. There is a minimum of eight payoffs because I counted it's, them and I have them it's all insane. written down. But anyway, so this guy calls in for a missing spot. Yeah, he what? thinks it's a joke because everyone's just been making yeah, fun of him. What's your name? Pi I'm, Staker. My name's Pi Staker. <laughs> Piss Staker. Yeah. And then he slams the phone down on the guy. It's, it's people are messing with me again. And then it turns out this is just a guy missing his swan. So there's an immediate setup. And, and that's payoff. his real name. <laughs> yeah, and that's his real name. So there's an immediate setup and payoff in that, uh, like he's he's feeling. Uh, fish out of water, and everyone's you know making fun of him for this. Uh, turns out he's actually not. He's actually missed on on something that's actually happening. Uh, and then it comes back immediately. That, like that gets referenced immediately again. He's used to big crime in the big city, and then it shows like a <laughs> montage of them chasing this swan around the city, and they just can't quite capture it. 
and then later during the during that chase scene we were talking about with the the kid in the purple uh, jumper, uh, he gets a like like he can go to he's 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 chasing this guy and the guy turns and then he looks straight ahead and he sees the swan like he has an opportunity to grab him but then he leaves because he's got to capture the kid so the swan kind of gets right yeah. just immediate little reminder of the swan there again uh, uh there's there's another uh there's a good payoff with the swan where they walk into the grocery store yes. and the lady goes no luck catching those swans then and then like, oh, it's just the one swan actually yeah dan danny says that so um, yeah and then that comes later in the movie when he, there's like this big like mystery of of of, of, of he's yeah, they, kind of revealed that that these all these accidents are probably deaths and yeah and people are starting to believe it. I think part of it is that she's kind of patronizing them a little, a little bit, bit too. Because she ends up being one of them. Yeah. So then she goes, no luck catching those killers then. She's like, oh, it's just the one killer really. And that, Actually, again, yeah, it's, it's an, another, another payoff from the swan. Uh, but then, and then so later in the movie when that guy's house explodes and yeah, they're trying they're to see, at the explosion they're trying of, to see who might have done it and they're looking at all like the city's uh, like surveillance cameras. But the the house is kind of just outside a frame of their their surveillance. He's like, but then the guy who's the old guy who's looking over all the surveillance footage is like, but we did manage to find uh, uh, the village most wanted, and then it shows like a swan walking across, and everyone's kind of laughing. Yeah, they're like, but oh, Nicholas great. Angel's like, someone just died, but like <laughs> they're just like making jokes about the swan. Like it's just an immediate reminder of like there's this big crime around, but everyone's just not taking it seriously. So it's another little payoff there. But then later in the movie... During the, the, the car chase. So the there's this car big chase. epic car chase with Simon Skinner and the head of the... Timothy poli- Dalton. Timothy Dalton and the head of the police chief who also turns, uh, turns out to be part of this big conspiracy. They're in this big car chase and they're, they're both in cop cars. So they're, they're, getting, they're, they're getting away nicely. Like there's, no, there's nothing that's, that's stopping them or anything like that. Um, but then just around like a little like I don't know forty five degree turn little, like, like a bend you know there were, yeah a little bend if I was road. going around this bend I would have I would expect to see some of those orange arrows telling me this is a bit of a this and, is a bit of a curve but but one that like realistically unless it's high traffic you wouldn't have to slow down to make the turn no. just a little bend but as they come around the bend they they see the villains see the swan and they're like swan swan and they, <laughs> like and they end up crashing their car yeah they they swerve to the right just off to make the road. sure they don't kill the swan now there's two little payoffs here one it's the payoff that it ends the car chase the swan is the end the thing that ends up uh stopping the car chase yeah that mystery ends up solving nicholas sergeant angels like like he wasn't taking the swan seriously but it actually ends up helping him in the the big murder mystery that he was so concerned about so that's actually like two payoffs right there right and also as they're as they see the swan and they and they yell swan it does like a like an awesome snap zoom of the swan yeah right into the it's a little visual gag um but then it doesn't end there the swan doesn't just i guess that's so that's three right there yeah there's like no there's there's a minimum of 10 payoffs from this swan then yeah so then so then so so then right after the villains get driven off the road by trying by trying to avoid the swan <laughs> on, uh, the Danny and, and Nicholas Angel, Sergeant Angel. They're right on his tail. They're right on his tail. They see the swan, so they so they they pull up. They they kind of put their brakes just beside. Swan. Open, they, they yell the same thing. Yeah. They, they both yell. Swan. Open up the door. Pick up the swan. So there's this immediate like that's all, that that you think is the conclusion. It's like okay, he got the swan. That's that's the end of the swan story. But then um, the next shot. 
you you have the swan sitting in the back seat yes. of them driving. So another it's just little, a funny little another visual payoff. They're like in this, yeah, they're driving again. They got this intense look in their face, and then you can see the swan in the middle back seat, and he's just kind of poking his head up like he's he also watching. He looks kind of goofy and yeah. like yeah, it's another like, it's immediate. Funny. You like you laugh at it. Immediate visual payoff because I think the music cuts. Then you have this exciting action music, and then it cuts to nothing, and they're just driving. There's yeah. a swan in the back, like yeah. but then, whatever. So after. After the big epic fight with Timothy Dalton, uh, the police chief uh, comes comes crawling over, and he's got Danny by, uh, by gunpoint. And, but he ends up running off, and he gets back. Uh, he gets into the police car that wasn't trashed, the one that initially Sergeant Angel and Danny were riding. He gets into it, and he tries to get away in that car, but they've left the swan in the back seat, and the swan pokes his head yeah. up, and he ends up... Uh, biting, biting the police inspector, the police chief, and and he crashes the car. So there's another. Mm-hmm. So it's another again immediate or, or ending payoff there. It's like another concluding payoff. But then earlier in the movie, when they're making these jokes about like murderers and and swans and kind of downplaying the whole murder thing, they're like, oh yeah, you got to be careful with swans. You know, they'll bite you and break your. They'll arm. They'll break your arm. They can mur- break yeah, your they arm. Can- and then okay. when it shows the police inspector like later when it's all being dealt with and he's in cuffs, he has like an arm sling. So it's yeah, like the swan actually been broken. Like, broke his arm. <laughs> the swan is incredible. It's it's so beautifully. Uh, symbolic throughout the whole movie. It's the perfect example of setup and payoff. It's this dumb little swan joke. Like, it's just a swan. The movie's not about swans. It's n- nothing to do with that. But it keeps popping up through and through, and it has so many payoffs, and it just, it's very symbolical of the whole movie to me. It's like the whole movie is setup and payoffs, and that's uh, the ultimate one. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, do we want to make some money before we move on? Yeah, to yeah. Our let's next uh, bit here. let's make some cash, boys. Some sweet, sweet cash. More money, more problems. <laughs> yeah. So you're going with your family. You got uh, you're, you're going. Going where? You're going boating to the lake. Uh-huh. Uh, you're driving. You know, 45 minutes. You're you're all cramped together in a van here. Uh, trying to have a nice conversation, trying to get to know your uh, your family members that you don't know so well, trying to trying to connect with your sister who Oof. you don't think likes you that much. Mistake number one, yeah. getting to know the family. And droning on in the background. <laughs> Baby. Baby crying. <clears throat> the this whole is the time. This is, this is, yeah, this is, this, just shut up. Oh. Huge problem, right? You've heard of Baby Driver, but have you heard of Baby Mute? Does your baby shriek like a banshee while you're trying to bring your family on a boating trip? So here's that this amazing revolutionary new technology. Is does. it the back of someone's hand? <laughs> <laughs> baby Mute creates a force field <laughs> creates a force field around your baby's mouth. So he can scream all he wants in the vacuum of space, and so, no one can hear him. So it's just like a, a handkerchief gag? You just jam it it's in the baby's It's a force mouth. field. It's oh. a remote. You hit mute on the baby, mutes the baby. You Sounds can expensive. En- you can just stuff their mouth with a piece of cloth. You're fine. <laughs> you can enjoy the company. <laughs> you know anything about babies? A force field. And enjoy how, do they, how do they breathe in there? Is there oxygen being pumped into this? Yeah, it's a, it's a sound force field. Oh, okay. Sorry. So it's, I get that's it. it. Baby mute. Tell your friends. So... And uh, tell your podcasts. <laughs> Enjoy the company of loved ones in peace and silence. Ignore your baby's screams while you're making love at night. Meal time? Tired of hearing that baby complain about not eating? Turn on the sound force field and you can get that baby to eat dinner in no time flat. Scary movies? Bring your baby along to the new Saw movie. Not a problem. But baby's crying because he's scared? Turn on the mute. 
Baby Mute. Uh, uh, that's our today's sponsor. <laughs> Thank you, oh, Baby Mute. Stick with the handkerchief. Thank you very much. <laughs> that kind of cheaper remi- alternative. <laughs> it reminds me of. Um, so I've talked about uh, my previous jobs on the previous episodes. I worked at a fast food restaurant, and there was one time uh, I used to work with my sister too, and her and I were working the drive-through window, and this guy was ordering uh, over the speaker, and he's like, "All right, I'll get a uh, number one," uh, and then you hear. Okay, and then I'll get a I'll get a kids meal with this. Okay, and then I'll get this. And I was like, and I looked at my sister, and I was like, it's, it sounds like he's like he's translating for the baby because every every time it was spaced out perfectly. So every time the baby went, yeah, and I'll get this. Okay, yeah, and then I'll get one of these, and it's so funny. It's like, oh, he's translating for the baby. That's so great, man. That was a pretty uh, intense uh, little section we had going on there. Maybe we should talk about something hmm? nice like the weather. Oh, um, sure, sure, some beautiful uh, summer weather out today. Andy yeah. loves I've been the really summer. enjoying horrible, the sun. Horrible summer weather we've been having. What are you talking about? It's so beautiful, though. The mountains and the, uh, this, the, the hot sun. When it gets plus 30 degrees and it's everyone complains that it's sweaty and gross outside, but then they simultaneously say, oh, look how beautiful the weather is. Yeah, it's gorgeous. What's but the it, problem with but it? But everyone wants to run inside and then buys like a whole shitload of air conditioners <laughs> and whatnot to get out of this beautiful weather we're having <laughs> uh, on top of all the horrible mosquitoes it brings that everyone fucking hates. Beautiful mosquitoes. These, these gorgeous, gorgeous mosquitoes packed with your own blood. Um <laughs> And yeah, when you when you slap a mosquito and there's blood on your wall, and you're like, yeah. "Is that my blood or is that like, oh yeah, is that some stranger's blood?" Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. At least yeah. vampires need permission to enter your home. Man, <laughs> mosquitoes can just do what they want. I hate it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'll take that. I'll take them. I'll take Twilight. Yeah, if I had to trade, yeah. <laughs> and then if you know, as as we live in British Columbia, Canada, as the whole fucking province burns to the ground this beautiful <laughs> weather we're having there's like as of this morning just from ye- today or sorry yesterday to this morning like 50 wildfires that they can't control <laughs> uh, people evacuating their homes just gorgeous weather it's, isn't it just gorgeous to be able to go to the beach like two times in the next couple months isn't it worth it having your whole province burn to the ground and deal with horrible allergies and be in a sweaty, disgusting mess and trying to run inside the house. Those things are fine as long as I can go to the beach four times in the next two months. <laughs> so, uh, so you're not a big fan of summer? I despise the summer. I think it's the most overrated season of... of but it's so beautiful. Of all of them. I think you have a really good point by saying going to the beach four times in the next yeah, two months. Yeah, because that's what it is. <laughs> because everyone complains about... That's my only justification for summer is like that I can go do water yeah. sports and I will end up probably, yeah, going about three Because everyone says what times. I say. They talk about, it's like, oh, it's really, really muggy and gross out there. I'm just staying inside with my air conditioning. Today. So no one wants to go out during this weather. It's just when they want to go out to the beach. But most people, yeah. uh, unless you're... a you know, jobless bum like Mueller aren't going to the beach like a million times. You're probably going like three to five times in the span of two to three months. <laughs> but that's apparently, you know, that it's worth it having a whole like, like 3,000 people having to evacuate I mean, their homes. Uh, this beautiful, beautiful <laughs> weather. I'm beautiful. assuming that people are just making the best of what they have. It's not like complaining about it makes the sun go away. So they're like, well, I guess we'll appreciate it. And thanks, well, people are always mean. complaining though. Like I work at a government office and the number one thing people talk about <laughs> is the weather or is the, the number weather. one thing that people in general talk yeah, about Yeah, but weather. it's like, that's just, <laughs> it's the most boring thing. And it's Great like, oh, insight, it's, idiot. It's, 
Okay, fag. <laughs> like, all, all people do is like, oh, it's really cold today. Oh, it's, man, I can't stand this rain. Oh, this heat. And I was like, we all know there's weather out there. Like, Yeah, I, I hate it. At that point, like, me being incredibly antisocial, it's like, we don't need to keep up this charade, yeah. this, this dumb little conversation. You don't have to engage in a conversation I'm so, with me. Yeah. I'm fine just standing here silently. I don't like. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with silence. Better, I'd rather that than talking about the weather. Which isn't it great that we brought that into our podcast? Oh, talk about. thank you, Mueller. That's oh, a great rant. So, Sergeant Angel, there's there's a there's a really interesting kind of reverse uh, setup in this that I that I really wanted to get off my chest here. Well, make it quick because we're moving on from setups and payoffs here. So, there's uh, they talk about bad boys too, and all these action movies. You know, these classic action movies with these one-liners, right? So. Uh, when he ends up uh, kind of defeating the local retarded boy, Lurch, uh, he ends up tossing him into a freezer and kind of knocks him out, right? So at this point in, in, in the movie, he, he doesn't say like any one-liners or anything to him or whatever, so he forgets to say something. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, okay, well, he missed that opportunity, right? Actually, a great setup. setup because uh, Dan, so, so he goes and talks to Danny, and Danny's like, oh, did you say some cool one-liner? Like, did you knock him into the freezer and be like, cool off? Um, he's like, no, I didn't. But earlier, I distracted him with a cuddly monkey, and I said, playtime's over. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Danny's like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, you're off the chain. And it's like, he, so Danny would never have known that he was going to say that if Sergeant Angel hadn't forgotten to say this this other one-liner, yeah. so he ends up drawing attention to it. So first of all, you get you get the satisfaction of the cool off line because of the way Danny delivers it to him, mm-hmm. and then you get the satisfaction of him kind of glorifying playtime's over and <laughs> knocks him over. So that was that was a pretty cool one. I just thought that was whatever. Um, let's move so on. So before we're on a time, I thought we were here. done. <laughs> so bef- I'm gonna you know try and stop Mueller from recounting the whole plot. And another thing I want to talk about uh, in this movie and all of Edgar Wright's movies in general, at least his comedies, the comedy in his movies, uh, is humor through filmmaking. And like, if anyone knows me and, and, and has talked with movies about me or asked, like, even just casually asked me about some dumb comedy or whatever. I hate about 99% of comedies out right now. I don't find them funny. Like, I just despise them. And there's something about a bad comedy that's worse than any other kind of bad movie. Like, a bad mm-hmm. action movie is generally just kind of boring, but a bad comedy is, like, cringy and annoying. And, like, like it's, well, that's... what's the goal? To make you laugh. Yeah, and if you don't laugh... But there's just something about, like, a bad dud joke that's just like, ooh, ooh. Like, a bad, boring action movie is just more just like, oh... That's Little, a, yeah. whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard for an action movie to offend you with how bad it is. Yeah. So one of the things I think that most comedy movies don't get right is they don't utilize the medium. They don't utilize the filmmaking medium. And what they always end up doing, they just get a bunch of funny people. I'm doing for listeners. I'm doing the finger quotes motion right now. They get like a Will Ferrell type and Amy Poehler or I think there's an episode of Louie that he kind of talks about it where they just kind of cram you in a room with a bunch of other comedy writers yeah, for so, five hours and that's the whole like all the jokes in the movie came from that one session well that that and they'll so they'll just get a bunch of like notorious kind of comedy actors uh, they'll get them on the cast they'll film a, a dialogue scene with some written lines but they'll also film like a whole bunch of improv because they've got they've we've got a bunch of funny people let's utilize their talents which you know fair enough but because of this the way they end up this is going to be some film nerd stuff by the way I apologize um, the way they you end better up, be sorry the way they the way they end up shooting these scenes because it's a lot of improv they just shoot them like super boring like 
the most lame, uh, right? How can you plan shot stuff? Because they're just planning for funny dialogue, so they just have a. It's basically just shot, reverse shot, or two people on a couch. Like how, how can you plan like a, a creative way to film something if you don't know what is about exactly, to be said? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, so because of this, the movies that well, not because of that, but for some reason they don't. Beyond not filming it in a comedic way because of the improv aspect, and they feel, oh, well, the movie can just, you know, we can just put it all on the backs of these funny people. They'll be, they're funny people. It'll be funny. It'll come out great. We'll just shoot it as bland as possible, pump it out, and great. But then they also don't edit it in a way that, that emphasizes comedy either. Like, the way they edit things, the way things are cut aren't funny. And it, it's kind of a hard thing to describe, but I think Edgar Wright uh, is a good example of, of someone who edits and directs and shoots for comedy beyond just dialogue and beyond just funny actors. Uh, like a few examples I have this, so from Shaun of the Dead, um, early on in the movie when zombie stuff is just kind of starting to pop up, like before the zombie stuff, before they realize what's going on, and he's flipping through the channels on his, on his television. Like he's just flipping through, like spending like a second on each channel and just going through. But if you listen, all the dialogue between the channels like spell out people it's like there's panic on the streets of London he flips the channel yeah. it's like people are eating each other's brains or, or, or people are being attacked and it shows like a lion attack or something like that all these completely unrelated things but they spell they the spell out a sentence that's actually describing what's going on it's like that's a clever way to get information across and it's also like just a funny little gag that's a gag that's not just like oh well Will, Will Ferrell says funny things and he said this funny thing we'll just shoot it as bland as possible from a medium shot and That'll be it. It's like, that's actually like a filmmaking thing. Um, another great example from Hot Fuzz, our kind of star of this episode. I don't, it's hard to describe what makes this so funny. It's my favorite shot in the whole movie. Oh, I know this uh, shot. So Timothy Dalton, they confront him in his office, as we discussed. And then at the end of the scene, he kind of stands up. He's got his big shitting and grin. I don't remember what he says to them in that specific shot. But just behind him, this is in his crummy little office at the back of the supermarket. Like, it's not an impressive-looking office. There's just kind of junk, like, supermarket <laughs> stuff lying around behind him. But there's this tiny little, like seven-inch picture behind him. Like, it's not a big picture. It's just this tiny little picture hanging on the wall of him, just of, just of his face with this, his shitty It looks grin. like it has, like, a frame around it, like it's, like, you know, uh, Simon Skinner, yeah, it's Supermarché it's owner. Like, yeah. it's, like, labeling him or something. Like. But he's standing right in front of this picture with the exact same expression They probably just face. cut out the film and then pasted it into the photo, a smaller version, to make sure it was identical. Now, if you, I'm very familiar with this because it was my Facebook profile picture oh, for yeah. a long time. It's like slightly, you <laughs> oh, can it's tell slightly it's slightly different. different yeah, um, yeah, it's so funny. Like it's just, it's just a, a blank wall and a picture on it to the left, and then his face on it to the right, looking the yes, same. And it's, it's such a weird shot. Too. Yeah, like, it's, it's really, it's, it's a thing. It's going to be hard to describe why it's funny. Uh, it, you kind of have to see it, but it's a good example of like a little visual gag. It's something about the shot, the close-up on his face with the same close-up, but it's kind of in the distance in the background behind him. Uh, it's just a great little, it's a shot gag. It's something that you can't, you can't write that. Like that's just something that you have to shoot in a specific way. That's going to be funny because of the way you shot it. Yeah, I think like at least thirty percent of the jokes are just things they must have come up in editing or like. Yeah, they, they I couldn't have written. I honestly don't mm -hmm. know quite how. I know Edgar it. Wright talks about it. He says like like a lot of those jokes like you have to do on like on set. Yeah, it's very very impressive filmmaking because 
yeah, I guess you just have to always be on while filming. You probably have, you've got all these setups for, we're going to shoot this today and we need all these people, we need these stunt coordinators, we need this here and this it's here. It's very complicated. But he also has to be on the fly thinking like, oh, oh, I've got an idea. If we shoot these two things and I cut this real quick, blah, 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 blah. Uh, another great example of this uh, from the Scott Pilgrim movie. I've been meaning to rewatch this because this is a mm-hmm. movie I'm kind of, of his that I'm least uh, familiar with uh, of the ones I've seen. Um, there's a scene early on Scott Pilgrim's in his in his house and his roommates there, and there's some girl that wants to see him, see Scott Pilgrim, and he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't want to see her, so he so he says to his roommate, "Oh, just just tell him I'm I'm not I'm not here." I'm not and mm-hmm. and the roommate kind of answers the door. He's got it just open like slightly a crack, and she's kind of I, I don't quote me on this one because it's been a while since I've seen it, um, but he's like, "Oh, he's not here." And she's like, "Oh, what? Don't I see him around the corner?" And the door kind of opens up a bit more, and the cam the camera pans in a way, and then you see Scott Pilgrim like diving out a window on the opposite side, like the opposite direction of the camera's moving. Yeah. It's again, it's going to be hard to describe. Uh, it's super funny. Like, he dives out through the, like it breaks the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that, but it, that's why it only works in film. That's why you should do it in yes. film and not in a stupid podcast because yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's they, why they I'm can't keeping, write it this way. I'm keeping, <laughs> the, keeping the short. One thing you referenced earlier when you were talking about the, the cake. This is a, a reoccurring thing, the way that that was shot. How like, so all these police officers, they're getting handed cake. All the time. Uh, and they'll just be in the middle of a dialogue scene and then some like third party Party character, Some someone arm. not related. You don't even see his face. Some arm will just like pop up quickly into frame, directly beside like a character's face, holding out this piece of cake, and it'll just be sitting there. There's a very similar gag at the beginning of Shaun of the Dead. Like he's uh, he's he's talking to one of his employees uh, who's not taking him seriously, and 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 the employee is kind of making fun of him, like talking to his parents while he's supposed to be working or whatever. And he's like, oh, you know, it's like I keep my private life, you know, separate. And then all of a sudden they're like, phone's for you. And the phone yeah. like <laughs> comes up and the phone just comes again. It's almost the exact same shot. It comes completely out of frame. The, it's just this hand that comes like this straight dis- out. This disambiguated hand. Yeah, like you this, never this see the person. Unembodied. And the funny part is because uh, he's like, I keep my personal life separate. And it's like, phone's for you. It's Liz. And that's his like girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Liz from head office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just great. It, it's it's he has this way. It's like it's just a little phone call thing. But he makes he makes the telephone or the cake or whatever it is. It'll enter the frame in a funny way. And the scene we were talking about earlier, where Timothy Dalton he comes in with like the cookies and he's he's forgiving this kid that uh, he doesn't want to press charges on this kid. The way he enters the scene, like immediately after they say it's like oh it's too bad Simon Skinner doesn't want to press charges. It's like he doesn't what? And then he just pops up. He's got his <laughs> arm out. He walks into frame just very quickly and just starts talking. That's just like at the beginning when he was running beside him. He just all of a sudden yeah, he's jogging. It's like he just <laughs> Enters quickly, and that's again, that's a thing. That's a funny joke. That's a funny. Gag. It's a funny joke, but you, that wouldn't be anywhere in the script. That's not something I'm assuming any of the the actors. Maybe just they could just write ad libbed. Enters abruptly. Yeah, but that's probably it. it is. But enters abruptly. That isn't like oh, anything. it's funny because he enters abruptly. It's like yeah. you kind of got to see it, and it's kind of got to be shot in a way that's funny. My point being uh, through all of this because I, I I can't go into too many examples because so many of these things are hard to describe. With you had to be there. Ah, oh, let me tell you another story. Um, you had to be there. <laughs> the point being, like, filmmaking is a visual medium. And when you're doing a comedy of this specific medium, like any other of the genre, you should try to be taking advantages of what in filmmaking can add to whatever genre you're doing. Like, edit it and shoot it in a way uh, to emphasize the comedy. And most comedies don't do this. And what Edgar what makes Edgar Wright so special to me? Like, I honestly think he is one of the smartest and best working directors today because he's a fairly young dude. I think he's only like 40-something. Yeah, he's Pretty. not like some guy who's demanding top dollar or some 
you no. know, some Spielberg type character. He's, yeah, but right. he's, he's a working to director. me like he's one of like the current greats. Like I think of the like, Quentin Tarantino. I think of David Fincher. I think of Edgar Wright. In oh, the I'm same definitely putting David uh, David Fincher below Edgar Wright. So uh, um, <laughs> I just think he's extremely talented, and he has this eye for it's like okay, I'm going to make these comedies, and I'm making movies, and I'm going to make comedy through the movies. I'm not just going to cast you know get a big budget and cast a bunch of funny doing the finger quotes cool. again people and i'll put the whole movie on their backs they'll be they'll they'll be funny they'll carry this whole movie like he's actually mm-hmm. using the medium and that that as as a as, as somewhat of a film nerd like someone who's very enthusiastic about about movies that excites me like someone who's actually in in a genre like comedy where i just i hate them all so fucking much they're so mm-hmm. bad and annoying Melissa yeah, McCarthy is, is so, so funny. funny. <laughs> I don't think that. Is that Paul I think Feig? That's from a, that? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Paul Feig talking about Melissa McCarthy in, in Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters movies he's, because he's worked with her previously. Yeah, yeah, she's that was, so funny. That was like his defense for the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. So I, I, I actually, just can't help it. She's so funny. Ghostbusters is a perfect example of the the negative things I'm talking about, where it's just like, yeah, let's just get to get together a bunch of so-called funny people. They'll improv a bunch of stuff and we'll shoot some... Especially the amount we'll of... shoot it as bland and boring and quickly as possible. The amount of duds in that movie, like five... Oh, yeah. You know, well, this is what I'm talking about. 20 so, jokes a minute and like five of them were funny through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Five out of like 500. Like it's yeah. like a 1%... It's a barrage of like just one-liners. So a it's real big downside... To orc th- army... <laughs> shoot of arrows all yeah. shooting Melissa McCarthy one-liners at Helm's Deep just <laughs> firing away very impressive that they were able to get that arrow so high in the sky considering how heavy it was <laughs> <laughs> very impressive oh man um, <laughs> point being you just hit me oh man I'm, sl- I'm off my ass right now <laughs> uh, it's a good point though because the real negative side to filming that way, to filming as blandly as possible, it's like when the joke doesn't land, like when whatever they said wasn't funny, it's just a dud. And you're like, have you ever been in a theater of a movie that's not like I was in the theater for that for the mm. for the the female Ghostbusters, and it was the quietest theater I've ever heard. There was like a couple yeah, I don't chuckles through. I don't know if I told you guys about this, but like so, like my dad George is a pretty like average dad moviegoer, and so I went to Ghostbusters. George with, being your pops. Yeah, George being pop Papa Mall. Papa Mall. Um, <laughs> Mulpa Bear. Um, so, uh, and, you know, so he loves, he loves Ghostbusters, which of course I love Ghostbusters, but like he actually thought that was going to be like a pretty good movie. And I was like, what, mm. what, what, what are you talking about? Maybe, maybe he didn't. Maybe I'm just really. You crabby. mean you guys love the original one and then went and saw the Yeah, new yeah. One? Okay. So I remember talking to him after the theater and, and, and he was, I was like, you know, what did you think of that? He's like, oh, yeah, it was, it was all right. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was like fine or And I was watching him through this movie too. Like he laughed like four or five times, maybe the whole, like, like not really any more than. I did right, yeah. and uh, so I remember saying that to him. I was like, "Well, I was low. I was watching you. Like, you didn't laugh hardly at all." And I remember talking to him the next day, and he was like, "Yeah, that movie really sucked." So he must have like kind of thought about that yeah. ratio mm-hmm. of bad to good jokes, and and kind of realized. But it. yeah, so like if I can make even it, dads, if I can try no. and make what I'm arguing here as objective as possible, like comedy is subjective. What I find funny, someone else might not. What 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 many people find funny, I might not. But if you shot your movie in a way that's like this is just lockdown medium shot 
like reverse shot cameras, like really bland shooting, and it's just relying on the funny people. Like if you're like me and you don't necess- and you don't find their humor or the jokes that they've written funny, like it's just a complete dud. And then of course the really bad ones that nobody likes, like I said, a bad comedy is like the worst thing to watch. But if they've shot it in a more interesting way, like it cuts a certain way and that like emphasizes this thing, like that's more interesting in terms of comedy writing. Like that to me is more like an objectively smarter way to film comedy. It's a very interesting thing. Um, again, I, I can't go into this too much because so many of the examples like, I would talk about, you a, have to kind of see. A, a great example of this is Splat the Rat Yeah, <laughs> at the fair and you've got Timothy Dalton there. Who wants to kill the journalist. And he's just looking at the journalist. Y- yes, yeah, so, so, so he's sitting there with a booth. And, yeah, it's and, like and it's like a little game booth, probably like a whack a mole. Yeah, whack a mole game. You know, you take the bat, you hit the mole. But he's just. But it's standing. called. But it's called splat the rat. Not yeah, whack-a-mole. the rat being Timothy the rat Messenger, being, metaphorically. Supposedly, according to this yeah, conspiracy that's cooking in Nick, Nicholas Angel's head, he looks over and he sees Tim Messenger, and then you can hear Timothy Dalton in the background yelling, "Splat the rat!" And it hands <laughs> over to Timothy Dalton. And he's got like this club, looking over at Timothy Dalton, like kind of scowling almost, and he's. He's batting. He's got this little bat in his, this little club in his hand. He's smacking up against his hand, like uh, on his other hand, on you his know, other like an hand. open hand, like yeah, just like, like a splat the rat. Yeah, that's, that's a good example. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's great, it, uh, and it's not funny at all if you don't see anything. Like, yeah. like why is the joke? Why is the word "splat the rat" funny? Like, I guess yeah. it's kind of. But yeah, this is know. this is part of why I think Edgar Wright is is such a smart, uh, incredibly talented director, especially in the comedy genre. But I mean, he's now kind of proven himself to be more than just a comedy director. He's, if you've seen Baby Driver, kind of tying it to the beginning of this podcast again, he's also an extremely competent. Like he's extremely competent action director too which I've heard many I've heard a bunch of other directors talk about how it's like action is like the hardest thing to direct I've heard Quentin Tarantino talk about he says if you can direct action you can pretty much direct anything like it's because it's so tough it's so tough to get well let's get Paul Feig in here the director of Ghostbusters lots of action in that movie Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate I'll, seeing his name in some of the opening credits for The Office. It just kills me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just dying. It's I like, love The Office. By so the way, do you guys notice how nobody in this movie could pronounce London? It was really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like some uh, someone from London called you. Yeah. <laughs> like they're in such a small town, they don't even know what London. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> well, I think it's part of there's there's like several different English accents. Like there's a Southern English accent and a Northern English accent. There's different English slang. I think that's partly to do with it. But it is funny when you hear them kind of clash. Yeah, it 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 did. Anyways, whatever. So um, let's talk about directors. Yeah. So kind of. This is probably be the closing sort of thoughts. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got a thought to go into it. I got, I got a little game for us that we can play in in accordance with directors. Okay. So, um, but continue on and all. Uh, so one of the things I noticed uh, about Baby Driver conversations because I saw it and I obviously loved it the way I'm talking about it, talking about it with other people. I was like, yeah, go see, go see Baby Driver. It's fucking, fucking really great, and. I got mo- I'm talking to people who haven't seen it naturally and uh, I got like a very very similar or the same response from a lot of people which was oh really like it didn't it didn't look that good or, like it didn't look that great and this is people like maybe not film nerds but like moviegoers like the type of people that watch movies fairly frequently enough to know that they should know who, who the, that it's the same guy who did Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz but everyone said that, like, oh no, it's like, it really looked dumb. The trailers didn't look that interesting. It's a dumb name, Baby Driver. I'm like, oh, well, it's Edgar Wright. 
I get this yeah, confused, yeah, what it, confused look I, on their I face. I said this exact same thing to someone. Hey, you want to come see this movie? We're going to see it tonight. He's like, oh, it didn't look really good. I'm, I think maybe I'll get it on video. And I said, what are you, an idiot? Like, it's Edgar Wright. Like, yes, what? And then you get, what, the confu- you get the confused look on their face, and they, and then you say, oh, it's the same guy who did Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And they're like, oh, really? I, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go check that out. Yeah, and, I didn't even get that. It was like, oh, okay, I guess so. Yeah, I got a bit of that, <laughs> yeah, too. screw you. But what, You're so, fired. <laughs> what this reminded me of, I've got this a lot over the years talking with movies about people. And, and to, again, it's not to like casual non-movie watchers, but to people who watch a lot of movies. Uh, and I'll be talking about a director, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that was, that was him. I didn't know that. I, I don't know director's names. That's what they, they would say, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't really you follow... Know, you I don't know really, your own name? What are you I don't, really follow, I don't really follow directors when... In, in, for movies that I'm interested in, I just follow actors, and it's just like, what? That's the, like again. If you're just a cat, like you, you watch like two movies in the, the one or two movies in the theater a year. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I understand this isn't an important or interesting thing to you. But if you're a movie person, a person who watches a lot of movies, it's like the director's like the name. This like, is mm-hmm. the this, name to pay attention this is, to. This is like being like, oh well, I don't really follow J.K. Rowling. I just follow Harry Potter. Yeah, so exactly. Whatever fan fiction the character Harry Potter shows in, like whatever dumb forum <laughs> on the internet. Oh, I, I gotta read Harry. Like, anything to do with Harry? Like it's like <laughs> it's like judge, judging a successful like or unsuccessful business based on like the clerk at the at, <laughs> at the store rather Man. than the general manager or the CEO or someone who's actually Man, Google's a terrible decisions. business. I called their support line and that Indian guy was really, uh, I couldn't even hardly understand him. Like, I didn't know all the CEOs of that company were like Indians too. Like <laughs> Now, granted, before someone pipes up and been like, oh, well, you know, there's there's producers and there's scriptwriters, and yes, all of those things are important. Like film, what makes it such an interesting medium is that it is like a big amalgamation but I've of never, all these things coming together. I've never gotten into the conversation no, where, no, the, per- where, where the person no. says, well, no, Directors aren't what matter. What matters is the producer. I'm following yeah. all the. No one ever says that. They always just say actors. Like they don't. Yeah. I, I've never had somebody defer to a producer in favor of the director. Yeah. Point being, that, like if you want to just saying that to yes. have an argument against you, they're not actually doing that. If you want a good indicator of the quality of an upcoming movie, look at the director first. A lot of the other things will come into play later, like how much the studio intervened, like how much bad ideas the studio may or may not have had. Uh, all of those things kind of come in after. How much like, the studio didn't intervene? Prequels, yeah, Star yeah. Wars prequels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, We're like an hour the, forty-eight in the direct- Star Wars. <laughs> Star the Wars directors. Today. We're doing good. The director is like the most important thing to follow, and I've talked to several people who watch a ton of movies that are just unfamiliar with directors, and this happens so much with Baby That's Driver crazy. and Edgar Wright, and it's like director is like the most important thing. I've seen movies Absolutely with is. actors that I hate, that I despise, that give these great performances because Where, what, the director James Franco. Have you ever seen any good movies? With- Jim, that, that you like? Edit this out. 127 <laughs> hours was all right, but it would have been better without him. I don't ever want to see a movie about Who a guy directed that one? chewing know, off yeah. his own arm. <laughs> I, actually, I just don't know because I don't really care much. It was an I'll, all I'll right a movie. Trying to make a joke. Um, but like Tarantino, for example, has worked with like directors whose yeah. careers, sorry, well, actors whose careers are dying, or like actors that you would like not typically yeah. like, like Channing Tatum or something. And you're like, yeah. oh, he was great in that movie. Well, that was how great. About, how about a perfect example for you? Uh, the movie Punch Drunk Love yeah, right. starring Adam Sandler I despise Adam Sandler I hate his yeah. movies I think he's a lazy filmmaker I think his comedy sucks blah 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 uh, that movie is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson very acclaimed like more artistic director he did There Will Be Blood a bunch of other big you know critically acclaimed Oscar sort of stuff 
Uh, he did a movie, Punch Drunk Love, which is kind of a romantic comedy. It's hard to describe. But it's starring Adam Sandler, and it's very much a character movie. Yeah, it's like and he his... is in 80% of that like is just... Adam Sandler acting and being depressed. It's a char- yeah, it's a character-following yeah. movie, and his performance is fantastic. And then you watch pretty much every single other movie by Adam Sandler, and it's just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> All across the board, performance, writing jokes, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but there was obviously a director who's good at working with someone's talents. Mm. Uh, another great example, I am not a big fan of Owen Wilson in the slightest, but I love him in every single Wes Anderson movie, which is a good number of them, like... He just, he knows how, he knows. And you love him in Zoolander. I do that, not, that's another I, exception. I no, I, you told his, me that. Or pu- his shitty broken nose in No, Zoolander. you might be saying this right yeah. now, but I bet you I remember being on an airplane beside you and I looked over your texts when you were holding that phone away from me. <laughs> oh, eavesdropping, no. And I, I saw you admit that you love Zoolander. You're Zoolander shaming me. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like in, uh, in Gone Girl. Remember that cast? And we saw that originally, and it's like, oh, oh. yeah, it was uh, Ben Affleck and Tyler Perry and uh, yeah. Neil. Uh, what's yeah, Neil name? Patrick Neil Harris. DeGrasse Tyson. Neil yeah. Patrick Harris, and I just saw that. And it was like, like we started laughing in yeah. the middle of the theater. Yeah, and I said, from director of uh, Fight Club and Social Network, I was like, I was like, oh, all right, Erase that, yeah. movie. Yeah, I guess right, it'll I'm be in. fine. Yeah, I guess, and they, they I guess it'll really it. suck now that David Fincher's done it. It'll be a no, really they, smart, competently made movie. And it, Gone Girl was awesome. Yeah. Made yeah, by a total hack. <sighs> Have fun arguing that one. Um, my point being, I, so like, and then like another good Wes Anderson example, like I, I love the movie Royal Tenenbaums. I really love Ben Stiller's performance in that. I despise Ben Stiller. Oh, he I don't want to see him worst, in another man. fucking movie, but he's really good in it yeah. because he's working with a director that knows how to utilize his talents. You know what other movie that you're still missing out on uh, with an actor that you hate is The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. <laughs> you keep talking about You keep talking about The Mummy. <laughs> you keep talking, you keep about, talking about how much you I hate weeks. Brendan Fraser. I think he's got a dumb face. I don't even actually know anything about his acting abilities because I don't watch movies. <laughs> yeah, Which, fortunately, he's not in there. So we're going to have to watch The Mummy Because everyone else soon. seems to hate him, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, you definitely got to see the first, the, the Mummy movie. Why do people, why is there this weird defense of The Mummy that's just all over the internet? It's this just sucks, really man. forgettable, yeah. like, when was the last time middle the of movie? the road. I guarantee. That On TBS sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it a bunch, but that is just a middle of the road, probably at best okay movie. But it has like this weird, I don't want to say cult following, but it borders on it where people are like, oh, this new mummy movie, it can't possibly live up to the original. It's like, can't it? I mean, it didn't, but like, it's not like you're making it sound like it's this extremely high bar. Like, I think that dads yeah. like it because. Um, you're not a dad and you're always jerking off saying we should we gotta watch the mummy like why <laughs> well, no we don't why do we have for like a month like every time it's like the <laughs> mummy don't we're need getting... to watch the mummy <laughs> I, I think that... I don't even think it's it's not even there's no way it's even a so bad it's good it's probably just oh, right. yeah all right. which is worse it was alright more toward the bad side of all I, of I'm, it. A, I'm a yeah. be, I'm a better, bigger dad than any real dad that you know I'm, I'm the embodiment of a dad here look at I got khaki shorts on right now like what do you, you want? Barely know how to cook a meal. Like I thought I was bad with cooking, and then I saw some of your stuff. You're no dad. I'm a, like, I'm, what do you mean? That's what dads are like. Dads like they take four of the leftover meals from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they throw it all in a pan, and that's what you got on Friday. Like that's a dad <laughs> meal. That's not true. Yeah, any dad that's that true. I've worked with, my daddy always he, he's like, oh, you know, the right way to cook eggs is that you leave the eggs until they're brown on one side, and then you flip the whole thing. <laughs> that's how you cook like fluffy eggs, like. 
No, that's the worst way to cook eggs. You got to keep mixing them so they stay fluffy. It sounds like your dad was a shitty cook. but yeah, And other dads, I, I know, dads anyway. are not good cooks. They only know how to make bacon. I don't care about that any of this. That is very sexist. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? My point being... Uh, it how an- much Andy loves it a- the mummy? It annoys me when people, like, movie... People who watch a ton of movies are like, what, director? Who? Baby driver? No, that looks that looks dumb. Oh, it's the same guy who did uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I just thought the commercial looked dumb. I was like, well, you watch like a fuck ton of movies. How do you, how do you not know? Yeah, you like, should know this. Edgar, they like Edgar, show this at the beginning of every movie who directed it. Edgar like, Wright may not be like this gigantic name, but he's also not like an unheard of name. At Like he's a pretty big name. Oh, yeah. It annoys me. So let's talk about Ant-Man. And the Aunt May movie? And the Aunt May, the, Mar- the Marvel Aunt May movie. <laughs> <laughs> finally, let's talk about how Edgar Wright was supposed to direct the Aunt May movie, but ended up uh, having creative differences and was not able to direct it. So Ant-Man was originally supposed to be directed by Ed- Edgar Wright. Yes. Uh, crazy idea, this genius comedy director directing... A, a, cr- a piece uh, of crap Marvel, uh, another, just another Marvel. you know, product, assembly line Marvel movie. Yeah, so let's get somebody actually creative on this to make something good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty sure he worked on it for about eight years on and off. Like just yeah, um, I heard he was things. he was very oddly involved with it. Yeah, oddly involved because he always wanted to direct a Marvel movie, uh, but things did not work out. And the new Ant Man movie or the one or two years old Ant Man movie was directed, I think, by was it by Paul Feig or no? It was no, some, it was like some uh, other crap director, it, like some. It was like a real crap director. It was like uh, Adam McKay, I think. Yeah, his name yeah, it was. It, yeah, I think you're right, and he does. John Apatow. <laughs> I like Judd Apatow sometimes <laughs> when he's in my bed. When I was, <laughs> Pete, Pete and Reed. Who the fuck am I thinking of? I don't, Adam McKay. Oh, Adam McKay. Like oh, he was stuff, he right? was the writer that took over. Who's a yeah. hack writer? Uh, Pete and Reed, who I remember this. He's prior to that most probably well known for uh, Bring It On, <laughs> be about cheerleaders. Oh wow! Or yeah. I guess he did Yes Man, which. Oh, that's that Jim shitty Jim Carrey. A so bunch, ins- of, bunch of crap. So instead of having uh, uh, Edgar Wright direct Ant-Man, yeah, it's a very they got they they said, well, he sounds like a better option. The guy it's who a did very bring it large on. step down. <laughs> yeah. So um, and I think that I think that a lot of there are still some elements of Edgar Wright's script that made mm-hmm. it into the end. Probably any part that's funny at all. Mm-hmm. Is, pro- is probably like I bet you that train gag I'm, where, I don't, where the train falls off the track the little miniature I don't like, remember many off the top of my head because I I'm, I just despise superhero movies and I just they just get erased out of my memory as, as quickly as they enter uh, but I do remember yeah that, that train gag where it's like it shows him having this big epic like train fight scene like fight scene on but a he, train but, but he's on a miniature and it, he's it pans tiny. out it pans out and they're, they're tiny because it's just Ant-Man and the Wasp and they're shrunk down and they're just fighting on like a little toy train and it looks like this in their view it looks like this crazy like a derailment of the train but it pans out to what it actually is it's just like a little toy train typically. Yeah, that totally. screams Edgar Wright like oh, yeah. editing I like. I just imagine that exact same shot being shot even better by Ed. Yeah, Ed. yeah, exactly. Because it, it it did kind of have a cheapness to it, and then they reused the joke like six more times in that movie, which I'm sure he wouldn't have done. Uh-huh. Um, so there were there were some some real differences in what Marvel wanted out of their movie and what Edgar Wright wanted. Obviously, Edgar Wright being correct about what should have been in the movie, <laughs> whatever and Marvel it was, being yes. idiots. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if I would say idiot. It's maybe they probably don't have. 
artistic integrity in mind. Right. But financially, they're definitely not idiots. Sure, like, sure. I'll, I'll give them that. So I'll call this the fall of Ant-Man, the, the, the long step down. Um, so we have a little, I've got a little game here for you guys, and I've, it's a multiple choice quiz show. There's only one question. Mm-hmm. And the question is, what were the creative differences? What did Marvel want differently than Edgar Wright? And you guys can choose or you can fill in the blanks too. So let's get started. Multiple choice answer number A. Marvel wanted Edgar Wright to ham fist some love triangle into the movie. Edgar Wright says no, they split. Multiple choice number B. Edgar Wright didn't have enough insanely boring action scenes. Marvel said we need one insanely boring action scene every 20 minutes. Uh, Edgar Wright says no. Relationship ends. Number C. Marvel thought the movie was too funny, so they wanted him to dull it down a bit so the movie audience wouldn't be distracted by all these funny jokes and they'd be able to pay more attention to the Marvel Universe. They split. Edgar Wright doesn't like that. Or multiple choice answer number D. Edgar Wright is just too smart for Marvel. Is there an all the above? That's what I was waiting for. I thought that was the punchline you were going to dish out. It was E. All, no, all I want above. you guys to choose or oh. fill in the blanks. Uh, well, it probably has something to do. Didn't I remember hearing something about them wanting more incorporation of like the extended universe in his movie, and he didn't like that or something? Like the Avenger stuff? I think Muller's upset with you for ruining his little game. No, right I don't now. care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, continue on. Uh, so and whatever one You should have was. had E all of the above. You really should uh, have. For your, your little punchline there. <laughs> Dickhead. Uh, yeah, I th- you're, you're absolutely uh, right, Braden. I think it was just that from the rumors circling around the internet, it was, they just said creative differences, and they don't talk about it because he probably signed some agreement. But uh, it's probably like... You can just like Edgar Wright, like all of his all of his movies are one off, like single stories, which is probably more or less what he wanted to tell. But Marvel is just like, no, we got to do this big cinematic universe. We got to tie in this really dumb fight scene with that guy with mechanical wings, the black man. I don't know what. Oh, he! I forgot he was in. I don't mechanical wings. (laughs) It's like a fight scene that I don't think has anything to do with anything. Oh yeah, yeah, that was totally lame. The Avengers, like like Edgar Wright didn't write that. No, he didn't give a fuck about those things. Uh, yeah, it's 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 lame. Like it's it was interesting when they initially chose Edgar Wright because like here's this very very specific stylized action or, or, or director, um, and m- the Marvel movies are like they're always like they're competent but uh, toothless is the best. There's no bite to them. And so no then they're like, well, we better get a real talent like Adam McKay to come in here and rewrite the script. Yeah, and uh, Adam McKay, I remember looking this up. He's he just most, does all those hat comedies, doesn't he? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He is just it's garbage. Like job. Talladega Nights and Step Brothers and the other guys. <laughs> Me and Braden were just watching Step Brothers <laughs> clips this week on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> like just a bunch of fucking Oh, man. Crap. So that was great. So what was what was that scene that like, so that we, I, I haven't seen Step Brothers since I was like a since I was since it came out in theaters and I remember not caring for it's it like 10 years ago except for yeah. there's the scene at the end when they're playing drums and it's like this is a perfect example of 
your memory being really different than than what yeah. actually happened. So, uh-huh. so I remember watching that movie, and it and it felt like that drum scene went on for like five minutes. Like it's just it's just John C. Reilly like just doing this big drum solo. I don't know why, because I didn't think almost any of the movie was funny. But I would I I laughed so hard that I like started to throw up in my mouth. Like I was heaving mm. so hard and laughing at this drum scene. And me and Brady pulled it up the other day. It's it was like, like maybe a minute long. It's, that's not at all. It's like thirty seconds long, yeah. and it's and it's like I wasn't even laughing. Why were like, you oh, laughing originally? I like, don't it's know not why. Even funny. I just thought it was so funny. Like I, something, something within me thought it was funny. So you were telling me about the scene, like of like this this cover band, um, yeah. that, that at the wedding. Speaking of remembering things, yeah, funnier, you were talking so, about like this is why we went and looked it up this week. Right? So yeah, there's it, at the same event before. So Will Ferrell and They're John Cena. Yeah, they they take the stage because the band that was on. Yeah, prior, don't worry about that. Let's just talk about. They, the Band. Yes, yeah, so I am going to. Uh, Billy so, Joel. Yeah, they're uh, a Billy Joel cover band. And they only, they strictly perform 80s Billy Joel songs, and that's mm-hmm. it. And this guy in the crowd who's really drunk just keeps yelling out, like, oh, play this or play that. And yeah, it's just all- <laughs> referring to like non 80s Billy Joel. And then finally, like my when I explained it to Mahler, yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah, the guy just blows up and freaks out, and he's swearing, he's, he's just like going storming nuts. around." And it, like- I, I had, her, I remembered it as like a really long, like funny, vulgar scene. And all it was when we rewatched it was <laughs> the one guy going, "Play this," and he goes, "No, no, we only play '80s Joel." And then he. He goes, no, I'll play this. And then he just blows up quick and he's, he's, says, take your skank hooker wife and get, and out, get of here. out of here. Like, we only play 80s Joel. It was like a very quick, like, It was like a second. 15, yeah, 15 seconds. That was it. it was I was like, like, oh. Not anything. That's not as funny as I remember yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, so like, so this is, but this is, this is a continuing story with us because there's, so there's this joke that we've had for years, which is from, what is it? Like, it's epic? from not another teen movie. Not another teen movie. Like one of the first like crappy, vague, like teen spoof movies. movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you were telling me about this and, and you're, you're saying who's, it's, who's Captain America, that actor? Chris, oh, uh, Chris Pine? Evans. Chris Evans, Evans right. Jeez, I miss so, like all those guys up. So there's, I, 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 maybe you can explain. So he's, he's in his room talking to his dad. He's don't, having, don't explain what it actually he, was though. Yeah, just, just the way you tell, told me okay. eventually. So do you want me to describe what happens in the scene? Like he, he's yeah, talking yeah, to yeah. his dad about his girl troubles and he's like, you know what, son? I got a girl for you. She's really nice <laughs> She's and really all this sweet stuff. Girl. He's like, like oh, I'll solve okay. all your problems. Yeah, you know, it's you know, so he 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 just leaves the room and comes back two seconds later with his mom and he kinda looks up and then like a second later realizes like It's his mom. He's get, oh he actually it's his, it's my mom he's talking about. He goes Dad, Dad, that's mom. <laughs> like, and like, so for years, me and Brayden, like, we're just going, Dad, that's mom. Yeah. Like, and it's like this. Just very, a joke we've had. I don't know why. It was just this, like, because I remember yeah. you telling me about it and me being like, why are you telling me about this crappy, like, not another teen movie thing? And but yeah. it's just one of those th- those friend things you have where you kind of just we have just this, say it to each other and it's funny. It's just funny because yeah. we say it to each other. So, then so we finally sat down and watched this clip. <laughs> we're like, yeah, I mean, why don't I just show you this clip, Muller? So like last summer we sit down to watch it and uh, he he brings the mom in. All he does is go. Dad, that's mom, and it's <laughs> it's like completely. it's so <laughs> underwhelming, like not at all, like yeah. how he. <laughs> I remembered it way funnier than it. Just than one it of was. those, yeah, those fish, fish getting bigger stories or whatever. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That was that was a thing. So uh, pretty pretty good at good on Edgar Wright. Did you have any uh, other questions? Was it just a one question test, by the way? Yeah, I said it was a one question multiple. It's the worst quiz show ever. <laughs> yeah, we show. we didn't yeah. even have the right answer. Yeah, me and Andy had the right answer. Yeah, you had the all the above. 
You got it. Which also <laughs> isn't the right answer, but you know. We cheated. All right. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get the hell out of here, guys. Real fat shaming with real men. Real. Fat. <laughs> All right. So long, fatties. Yeah. See you. <laughs> see you guys. Make sure to eavesdrop on your neighbor's text messages and then try to get them arrested for the things they're saying that you weren't meant to see. <laughs> so long. Bye.